Hello, and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast, everybody. I am Keegan Preslak. I am Eric Hoff. And this is a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in New Mexico, get together hopefully once a month and, and talk, talk horror, horror movies. movies. That's right. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing on this episode, Eric? We are going to review two films that I'm sure people have already watched and forgotten about. The Nun <laughs> and The Predator. That's actually a great point uh, on those two films. Because both of those films have been out for what? Two plus weeks already? Two plus weeks, that's right. But you know what? They were kind of big yes. in the genre. Yes. Uh, you know, one was, they're both franchise films, and we're yep. here to talk them. Yeah, and the idea with this episode was kind of to, like, bridge to our October episode. Right. Which we will tell you what that will be soon. But uh, we just thought we could get this one out quickly. Right. So, And we're getting it in, under, or at least we're, we're recording under a month from when the last one went up. Uh, so, Eric, how are you? How is life? How is the postal service, the postal reserve? Uh, today was awful. We got we got a bit of rain. Okay. Uh, today here in Carlsbad, New Mexico. A lot of rain. Yes. Uh, so I was wet most of the day. Fortunately, uh, when I got to the walking portion of my route, it had slowed down, subsided. Right, and then later it would pick back up. Uh, I got kind of a mildly interesting story. Okay, lay it, it on us. It doesn't really have to do with work, but it happened during work. Okay. So my house is along my route, you know, and I like to stop here in the AM to uh, use the bathroom or get a drink or something. That's awesome. So I'm, uh, and whenever I do that, I'm already close by uh, to my house. Mm-hmm. And I see these two ambulances driving by. And Roy is in the back. And, you know, I think nothing of this, right, you know? Yes. Uh, so shortly after that, I decide to come and literally just like 50 yards, like down from my house are those two ambulances. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, I wonder uh, what happened, you know, but again, immediately out of my mind. Sure. Give it no extra thought. So my buddy Dana, he's a secretary at the police department. A secretariat, if you will. Yeah. He texts me. There was a fucking drive-by shooting. Holy shit. Literally, like... Just down the road. Literally, like, three houses down from God my damn. house. Slept like a baby that night. <laughs> I bet you did. Didn't think anything of it. Eric uh, has a security system for things just like that. Yeah, because it stops bullets. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, he, he texted me, and he goes, so be careful so you don't get boysed in the hood. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Shout yeah. out to Dana. He does not listen. Not at all, but... We can talk shit about him if we want to that way. Yes. Hello, Dana. Yes. Uh, amazing story from you, Eric. Thank you for asking how I am. Uh, As always. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't think I ever remember to. No. Uh, so I'm doing well. Uh, let's see. Nothing going on in my life. I've been playing randomly. I decided to start playing the Friday the 13th game Well, not again. randomly. That's right. I feel like there was a yep. reason to. They finally uh, Fixed implicated. It. Implicated. Uh, let me try again. <laughs> They finally uh, started with the dedicated servers. Okay. And uh, I've had no problems with it. What about you? No, it's been awesome, dude. So I get games right away. Uh, my parties stay together. Yeah, I guess I guess when you when I said it randomly, you're completely right. Because the reason I started was you text me. Yeah. And you're like, hey, do you want to play it? And I was like, oh, yeah, the Friday the 13th game. Because I've been playing too much uh, Fortnite, which is stupid, I know. Um, but yeah, I, I fired it up and holy shit, that game is still awesome. Right. It's still so good. 
In fact, I've been playing more Friday than Spider-Man. Wow. Which kind of bums me out because I'm having a blast with Spider-Man. But here I am back with Friday the 13th. Yeah. If, I mean, if you haven't, if, if you have a PS4 and Xbox mm-hmm. one and you haven't played the Friday the 13th game, we talked about it a lot. Like on our Friday episode, I think that was last year, last yeah. summer. And it's a, it's a fucking blast. My favorite thing in the world is playing as Baghead Jason and just fucking punching people's heads off. It's the best goddamn thing in the world. Please go ahead. Dumb complaint. Okay, dumb complaint from so, Edie. So a minute ago, they released Roy, right? Yes, Roy. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm playing as Roy now. Because like, I'd never, like, because, you know, whenever he was released, it was still fucking up, and I probably wasn't trying to play. I, I picked him today, and I and they wouldn't let me play as Jason today, and I was pissed. Right, you know, you have to play at least 10 he games. He looks so good. Here's my complaint. Okay. Here's my, here's my dumb complaint. He's not bloated. We all know Kane Hodder did the mocap. So it's Kane Hodder moving as Roy, and I just couldn't do it. Well, wait, wait, wait. I know that's a dumb complaint. But Kane Hodder did the mocap for, like, Baghead Jason, and that was And fine. you know what? And it works. Okay. Me. All right, fine. But just, like, no, because, like, those were Jasons. Kane Hodder was Jason. I That's not Jason. Yes, but let me let me throw a wrench Spoiler in alert. In the film, Friday the 13th Part 5, which I know- We're led every, to believe. Which everyone listening has for sure seen the fifth film in that saga. If, if you haven't. You should, because it's real good. We are led to believe something. Let's not say that, but the point is the Jason in that film isn't Roy. It's someone else playing that character, right? And then sure. and then they just take like they fake that it's Roy at the end. Mm-hmm. But really, but when it's you watch actor. that film, you don't go along thinking that that's Roy underneath the mask for those first eighty-five minutes. Does it even look like Roy? He's like bald. Well, yeah, because he's doing that to act like he's Jason. He's sure. wearing a bald cap on purpose. I guess you're right. I just think he feels bigger. He feels bigger than Roy. You don't think so? I, you know, did I that get, actor play you know, him in, in real life? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they I had a stuntman, so. stuntman Mike, underneath the the mask. Yes, but underneath uh, the mask. In, in my head, when I watched that film, that's Roy, man. That's Roy just cutting up kids, cutting up kids. Yeah, he's back. The man behind well, the mask. You know, that's the next sequel. Yes, it is. So, uh, yeah, I've been playing the Friday the 13th video game. Okay. And uh, honestly, that's it. Going to work, not doing a goddamn thing. I mean, doing shit at work, but other than that. I played Sunday, and the counselors actually killed me. I was playing as Jason. I'd never seen it before in real life. I feel like you're so bad at the game. I, I'm terrible at the game. <laughs> because when I play as Baghead Jason, okay, I played as him today. I'm terrible at that game. And I killed all eight counselors. I killed two of them And it was that game. amazing. What you got to do? is drop into the Friday 13th game and set traps next to the phone and the... But how do you know where the phone is? Oh, you pull up the map and you just fast travel there. You put a trap down. On the map, does it indicate where, where the, the phone, phone is? is? Yeah. So, how do you know that? So when you do that, you just hear like the game... When play, they get stuck? When they get stuck and you just go back there and fuck them up. It's great. See, I didn't it's know so that. good. I love that game. I didn't know. Yeah, and uh, the only other thing I did, which okay. no one here cares about, but I will detail anyway, okay. is uh, I went to Las Cruces, mm-hmm. New Mexico. For uh, I went to New Mexico State University, went and saw a football game that we lost, Okay, but I had a blast, hung out with some buddies, drank a lot of beer. That's pretty much all I've done in the last month. Watch football and drink beer? Actually, that's pretty close to what I've been doing. So... Yes, Keegan told me we had to record tonight, Wednesday the 26th, because <laughs> tomorrow night <laughs> is, is Thursday, Thursday night, night football. football. Yeah, E-Dog don't give a fuck about football. Good. And I'm when, glad. And whenever, before the season started, you know, they were doing preseason football. Uh-oh. And, you know, it would be on at my mom's house. 
And I care so little about football that preseason football was just like unfathomable to me. I was like, this is a waste of a TV screen right now. Well, that's Educk. That is fantastic. I'm sure yes. a lot of our fans sympathize with uh, your plight. I certainly do. I like sports. Oh, I, I like I can basketball. tell you do. You sound I, like you do. I like baseball. But, nah, football. We don't believe you that that's you like fine. sports. That's fine. Uh, so enough about us. Enough yes. about, uh, well, us. Uh, but I was, I guess we should also say uh, what else we're going to do on this episode, right? Okay, so we are else? going to review The Nun first. Uh-huh. And we're going to do full spoilers, but we will do a warning. And uh, then we're also going to review The Predator. Full spoilers after that and Correct. a warning for that. But we're also, what are we going to do? Uh, we mentioned this, this last was time. This was Eric's idea. Uh, after uh, the last drive-in aired on Shutter, I saw where people were posting what 13 films they would pick yes. if they were tasked with hosting a 24-hour horror movie marathon. And I was like, Keegan, let's do that. Let's pick what tw- what 13 films we would pick if yeah. we were tasked with that uh, task. You know, I came up with 13 films. Sure. I'm happy with the 13 films I picked. And I wanted to put them in like an order, but I never got to that. So these are yeah. just going to be the 13 films that... You know, I would pick. And, of course, this would be like if there was no licensing issue and we could just pick whatever the fuck yes, we this, wanted to watch. This is our fantasy, fantasy Joe Bob Briggs marathon. Speaking of that. Speaking of that. October 20, Saturday, October the 27th in El Paso at the Draft House, they're doing uh, Dismember the Alamo again. Yes. And I asked off for it today. Oh, shit. And, I was, and I've already asked Kiki. I, or I didn't ask you. I, I presented it to well, you. Well, okay, here's the thing. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Da. I was hoping you would come so we could get that sweet-ass hotel deal. Okay, well, here's the thing. Okay. I want to go to Dismember the Alamo on October 27th. Yes. But the thing is, the very next week is Halloween. Uh-huh. So trying to ask for two day, for days off on those same weeks, this has gotten boring. It's Are hard. Are you asking for Halloween off? Oh, well, I, I'm going to try. It's a Wednesday. Yeah, but I need that. I need that shit. You need that whole day? No, I have no idea. I'm, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. This is, again. Okay. Workplace. We'll, we'll let you know in the uh, December issue what happened yeah. on Halloween, huh? <laughs> no, we'll let you know in our next episode, which won't be till February of next year. Yes. That is a joke. Um, Where hopefully we can review uh, Happy Death Day to You, which is great. I'm super excited that, what that was announced. What a great title. What right? a good title. And if it's going to center around Valentine's Day, that sounds fantastic. I feel like we are really... Now, look, I don't want to say... You know, I don't want to... I'm thinking of all these explicit words. I don't want to... Well, I'll just say it, f- fillet the man. But uh, I feel like we're in really good hands with uh, Ryan, Ryan Turek well, let me at, ask you this. at Blumhouse. This, who's directing? Is it the same dude who did the first one? Don't I, know his name. It was Christopher Landon, right? That That is right. Yeah, so I don't know. but and I'm not, And I know he's not directing the films, but I feel like happy birthday to you. That's a Ryan Turek title right there. Like, that's a Ryan Turk title, Halloween coming up, which brings us to our next part of the podcast, which is Halloween hype. And also October hype. But uh, Eric, speaking of that, you want to talk Halloween hype, huh? I want to talk Halloween hype. Halloween 2018 is upon us. The film is soon. It's like two and a half, three weeks away. And I am flipping the fuck out. Eric, are you? Do you think we're going to get it? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. But are you going to watch it in Carlsbad? Or am, are you going to go to El Paso? I am not planning on seeing it in this town. Okay. All the films that I see here, there's just fucking people crinkling shit. The, oh, yeah. the the sound sucks. The seats suck. It's a gamble if they're going to turn on the lights. It's a gamble if they're going to turn on the screen. It's a and gamble. I'm not exaggerating. It's a gamble if they're going to turn on the sound. It's I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Yes. And the, I hate it because, you know, like, I'm always like, all right, there's a child. There's a child. 
there's a child let's sit away from the child yes and still more children seem to i don't know it's like they pull towards me and it's like they know <laughs> i want my distance that's like, how i feel i feel like i'm a like, magnet for fucking asshole people that's yes, what i feel like yes um maybe because you're you're one yourself yeah i think that definitely plays into it yeah but uh you know luckily i don't think i'm ever going to work for this company again but yeah the uh theater chain that is in this uh area in our neck of the woods is just fucking garbage so there you go it's awful but halloween are you excited like yeah, I'm, how can i not be i'm having like panic attacks about it like I, I'm I'm freaking out. Like, there's TV spots now. Like, people have seen it at Fantastic Fest. There's like reviews, and I'm just like trying to run in the other direction. You never watched that second trailer? No, huh? no, never watched the second cool. trailer. Uh, so I'm freaking out. What are you doing? Are you? Do you uh, give a shit? Like, I feel like you're a yeah, little more subdued on it. Uh, I'm definitely a lot more subdued uh, than you are. I'm I'm already anticipating it to be my favorite horror film of the year. <laughs> Me too. Let me ask you this. But like, I and, and of course I'm excited. I mean. But maybe just because it's a few weeks away. You're trying not to think about it because it's... Well, not, not that I'm not trying to think about it. I guess it's just like I haven't worked myself up as much because, you know, come come Friday, October 19th. Oh, my God. After work when we just got tickets. Yeah. Then I'll probably be like, fuck yeah. I, get, I do this thing where I get so excited for a new release film that I'm so excited to have seen it so I can go see it again. Have you ever felt like that? Like when the Star Wars films come out, comes out like Last Jedi or Force Awakens or even Rogue One, uh, not Solo, um, I'm like so excited to just get the film seen in my head right. so I can just go back to our shit theater and watch it like 30 times. Remember, Get it on Blu-ray. Remember, remember saying that, and I'm going to say that. I'm going to say something similar later in the podcast. Uh, I went to Walmart last night, and there was like three thousand copies of Solo next to like twenty five hundred copies of the new Jurassic World. Uh huh. Like, do they think they're going to sell that many? Okay, do, I, does it sell I, that I many? You know, it's a, I was just like, God damn! You do where you like gauge your like box office sales off of Carlsbad, New Mexico. People I'm just saying. here go to Redbox, stand outside it for three hours, and browse whatever the fuck Liam Neeson movie is in the <laughs> hey, Redbox. Hey, the commuter was tight, okay? The commuter's okay. Okay. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I just nah, knew it was the same motherfucker who did uh, The Shallows. Now, I don't think he would like that you called him a motherfucker, but uh, that is, uh, I guess I guess he is. Same who, guy. Who am I calling a motherfucker? <clears throat> the guy that directed The uh, Commuter and The Shallows. Oh. I, Wom call it Sarah? There you go. I got it, motherfucker. Okay. So Halloween hype. I'm just freaking the fuck out. Our next episode, we will have seen a new Halloween film starring Jamie Lee Curtis uh, taking place right after the first film. I'm flipping out. I'm wearing the shirt right now. I already have a fucking Fright Rag shirt for How a movie I haven't seen. How many times do you seen. think you're going to see it in theaters? <clears throat> I'm going to go with at least four, probably five. What's the most you've ever... I think... I'm sure we've discussed this. Force Awakens. How many times? I think 10. 10 times? Yeah. But also, uh, Phantom Menace, when I was younger, I saw that film probably nine or 10 times as well. So, you know... In I don't, the theater. I'm not talking about like total. Yes, in the theater. Jesus. Eric, I'm not one of these people that says I like things and then I don't even fucking see the movies I talk about. You are I, wearing a t-shirt for a film you haven't seen yet. That's true. <laughs> I actually like the things I say I like. So yes, I love Star Wars and I've seen it a lot. I'm at uh, Cloverfield with three. I think I saw Cloverfield I, six and I, times. And I wanted uh, <clears throat> Pacific, 
Pacific Rim Uprising uh, to have a third time viewing, but I never got to it. Um, I think I saw Chlorophyll six times, but I also worked at the theater when that came out. So I got him for free. So you're as well. just walking in there. You're just driving jerking along. It. Yes. Riding along. Riding yeah. along. Okay. All right. So Halloween hype. Now let's get out of this segment, but Halloween, uh, October. Okay. Tell me, if, are you excited for October? I just had monster cereal for the He does. First I'm looking time. at it right now. He has booberry. Uh, so Melissa and I, we decide we're going to go get breakfast together on Sunday. And I'm like, well, what are we going to do? She doesn't have an answer. I don't have an answer. And I was like, let's go look for monster cereal. General Mills. And she was like, I'm down. And so we each had monster cereal for the first time. Now, we found Count Chocula, Booberry, and Frankenberry. No. And I've only tried Count Chocula and Booberry. And if I had to pick out of the two right now, going Booberry. Going Booberry. Okay. Going Booberry. You know, somehow I missed this whole monster cereal craze. I think I like to sit well, I mean, this is my first year much. I'm in on it. Yeah. I, but I, I feel like a lot of people are like, it's like all they care about in this, which I think they're awesome. I just, I've never been into them. Yeah. I, I, really I, I think guy. it's the novelty. Like when, like when I was eating Count Chocula, I was like, oh, this kind of doesn't taste good, but it's fucking Count Chocula. Yeah. Like tight. Yeah. I want to just, I want to get Fruit Brute. Uh, just I thought they don't make Fruit Brute no more. Well, I just want to get it because of Yummy Mummy. Yes. Uh, I want to get it because of the- Barry G- the X. Yes, Bearing the X, the Joe Bearing Dante the film with uh, Alexandra Daddario. Oh, I it was a fruit brute. Right, so she I wanted wouldn't a give it to me. Yeah. Just a Pepsi. Just one Yes, Pepsi. you got it. Man, god damn it. Okay. So, uh, just October's coming up, man. I'm just fucking pumped. I, I think I even picked out a Halloween costume. Uh-oh. Already? Are you going to uh, reveal it here? Uh, I won't. No, don't reveal In it In case, uh, you know, it's actually very, very simple. And if I do go with it, You'll be like, God damn, that is simple. So um, I've been wanting Eric to go for Halloween as Damon from Friday the 13th, part five? For years. Demon. I always said Damon. Enchiladas? Yeah, it's Demon. Oh, okay, then I want you to go <laughs> as fucking Demon. I'm going to have to get a jury curl. Yeah, I think you could pull it off. And then yeah. you just need to shit, which you already do a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, eat a lot of enchiladas. I'm just going to have to run to outhouses. Yes, and be brutally killed massacred so with that note uh yeah I, I'm, I'm just punk i wish over. they could get that guy in the friday 13th game that'd be miguel dope. i can't think of his last name you know i was playing and fucking shell i killed shelly uh-huh. i was like holy shit right I, i'm trying to play as fox currently nice See oh yeah i killed her as well so yeah. and this is all in the video game of course not in real life right so uh I'm no just, you're just admitting to fucking murders yeah, right murders, now exactly no one listens to us so it don't matter yeah who gives a shit yeah. shout out to brian the horner he told us not to say that i'm bringing it back i'm bringing it back. i feel like it's a ghoul squad staple all right okay uh i feel like okay so to end this october hype segment which has gone horribly wrong uh i feel like our perfect way to 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 segue into october is your idea with the uh, Joe Bob Briggs, like 13 films. Okay. Because I feel like that'll be like, here, here's 13 movies that you should watch during October. Even though that wasn't the original plan. Oh, okay. It's a good idea. So there you go. Uh, let's get out of this segment and let's get to what we've been watching. What we've been watching. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. 
The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's start our What We've Been Watching segment with uh, a film that just came out. So this is like brand new. And uh, the house with the clocks in its walls. Okay. Eric, tell me if you fell asleep, yes or no. Uh, I made it about an hour into the film before I clonked out. You didn't watch any of the rest? I didn't watch any of the rest. Wow. I was okay. asleep. So this going to be a loner review. I feel really bad about it. Did you fall asleep during that horrible Death, death Wish movie? I think I stayed awake for that, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Well, He had two movies this year in theaters? Was that this year? That was this year. Holy shit. What a piece of shit. Wow. Uh, We're talking about Eli Roth? Yeah, Eli Roth. So he made a film this year called uh, The House with the Clocks in Its Walls. It's right. an uh, Amblin-produced film. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. Uh, I guess you're not going to talk about it at all, so this ought to be a good joint review. Yep. Uh, I'll read my notes first. Okay, go ahead, and I'll tell you if I remember that part or not from sleeping. All right, really like this film. Witches, warlocks, and demons. Oh, I can't say that. For a film about yeah. a 10-year-old, there was a lot of satanic imagery in it, yeah. which was fantastic. There were, like, upside-down crosses and there, pentagrams There, there were so many, shit. like, devil faces, and then yeah. there was, like, like, when he cuts his fucking hand, yeah. and he's, like, reading the book to uh, resurrect that fucking asshole. Well, and then there's, like, a flashback of a fucking straight-up demon with, like, a tongue? Yeah. Holy I didn't shit. see that fuck. Okay, well, that's good. So you missed the best part of the movie. Okay, uh, the rest of my notes go as follows. Extremely underwhelming ending. So you didn't miss out there. Okay. Uh, great potential. Eli Roth's best film since Hostel Part 2. Wow. And uh, 200 times better than Death Wish. So that is oh. my notes. I think anything's better than Death Wish. Duh. Yeah, 200 times better. Yeah, I think, I f- I'm real upset. I, I want to go back. I definitely think this is Eli Roth's best film since Hostel Part 2. You know, Green Inferno is cool. I'm glad he made it. It's super amateur. It's not really that good, but it has gore, which we like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Knock Knock is the biggest competitor because Knock Knock, I think, is actually a good movie. I like Knock Knock a lot. Yeah, but I think this is like a better movie than that. And then Death, Death Wish is atrocious, this so is that's easy. Yeah, but Hostel Part 2 is fucking amazing, by the way. Yes. <clears throat> but yeah, no, so I really like this movie. You know, House of the Clock and Its Walls. Is like a kid's film. Right. But like Eric was saying, like there's a lot of fucked up imagery and there's a lot of like satanic stuff. And like, I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of trailers for the film. So I didn't realize that. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, uh, Jack Black is a warlock in the film mm-hmm. and Kate Blanchett is actually a witch. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they said that, I'm like, Oh, okay. Fuck. Yeah. Like I'm in for this. Like it's not cause the film, the trailers kind of make it look like Harry Potter. Because they're like... I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, and I think they... Really, it, it really didn't sell the horror vibe of it. Which I think was probably smart so they could get kids in. Oh, it looks like Harry Potter kind of. I don't know. Right. Uh, which, it made money. I mean, it, $25 million. It's his biggest okay. commercial, right. Yeah. Uh, it only cost $44 million to make, so I think this is going to make money. That's way back. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just thought it was cool. Uh, which, in a warlock, uh, they... This, Let's just make it quick. Kid comes into their lives. Kid lives in the house. There's a house, There's a clock in the walls. Uh, and then the kid starts learning basically, I mean, honestly, black magic because they're fucking warlock magic. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I really liked it. And it also has the kid that's going to be in Jonah Hill's uh, mid-90s. Uh, that is like the bully kid in the film. Sonny Soljack or something. 
Sony Michelle. No, I don't know what the uh, fuck his name is. No, th- I found it. I found it charming. You know what I saw? Yeah. There was one part that really put a smile on my face. It's the first night he gets to the house, and Jack Black asks if he's hungry, and he says yes. And so he asks Kate Blanchett to make him chocolate chip cookies, and he's like, "Wait a minute, don't I have to have dinner before I have cookies?" Yeah. And Jack Black's like, "There's not rules in this house. There's no bedtime. There's no bath time." And I guess just like. Thinking back to like, <laughs> that would have been great to have yeah. experience as a child. I thought, that's awesome. Yeah, he even says like, why would you eat other stuff before cookies if you want cookies? And right. I'm like, oh, what a genius. <laughs> what a genius idea. Right. Um, yeah, I just I just really liked all the imagery. Uh, spoilers. I don't think it's a spoiler. Kyle MacLachlan is also in the film. I did make uh, it that far. So he is Dale Cooper from uh, Twin Peaks. So I'm a huge Kyle MacLachlan fan. Well, you um, know, I like him from uh, Showgirls. Portlandia? Never, never per- watched Portlandia. Apparently, he's in Portlandia. Okay. Uh, I've never seen it, but my brother watches it. Shout out to Ben. Hello. Uh, so, yeah. Anyways, um, I feel like it's been an awful review, but I liked House of the Clocks and Its Walls a lot, but I, I will sort of end it with, I don't know if I'll ever watch this movie again. Like, I might show my little sister it, but uh, its ending is so absurdly boring and tedious. Like, they basically run out of film and it's like, I don't know. He finds the clock. I don't, I don't know. It's uh, it, evil's defeated. It's over. And I was just like, okay, after all that, that that's how the film ends. So I felt like it's ending was super underwhelming, but the rest I really liked. And I liked that it was like a fucked up kids movie. I felt like it was a throwback to Amblin films, like real Amblin films where like kids are actually in danger and shit, but uh, it wasn't too crazy, but I felt like there, I, I, I was uneasy at times because I'm like, this audience is going to walk out if they show another upside down cross to this fucking child. Um, but I love that stuff. And it was rated right. PG-13. I was yeah. surprised by that. All right. I'm sorry. PG. It was PG. I think so. Oh, wow. Uh, which is cool. So anyways, House of the Clocks and its walls. I Eric almost, fell asleep. I, I almost feel like that like doubles up on its like Amblin-ness because like Amblin was getting away with shit at a PG rating for sure. No, that's exactly how I felt. I'm like, Holy shit. Like this kid cuts himself at one point to do a spell. And like you were saying, I'm like, damn, like on a pentagram fucking self harm on a child. Right. And this is rated PG, I believe. So anyways, house of the clocks in its walls. I liked it. If you're a horror fan, I would definitely say go see it, but I don't think this is like great or anything, but do you feel like it's fitting for the season? Yeah. I mean, the ending has, Towards the end, there's these... They fight jack-o'-lanterns. They fight jack-o'-lanterns. And I was like, okay, this is okay. And then they get covered in pumpkin shit. Like, they're, like, hitting the pumpkins and they're exploding. Right. And uh, I got... Su- I love that scene. Like, that shit's awesome. Right. So there is some seasonal stuff. But this also got me really excited for Goosebumps 2. Oh. Haunted Halloween. Yes. Uh, I felt like that's what I wanted while I was watching this. Right. And, uh, and we're getting Like, that. full-blown Halloween. Full-blown Halloween. Not just, like, jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. Occasionally. So I'm fully on board for that uh, right. that uh, Goosebump sequel. Anyways, House of the Clocks and its Walls. Shut the fuck up, Keegan. Eric, what do you want to talk about next? Uh, you said searching. Yeah, you started even though you fell asleep. Okay, so I, I made it to the film's climax. Like when the film Easy was- making it to a climax. That's a, that's a first. <laughs> when the film was finally revealing itself. He uh, thought it was time to take a nap. Snooze. And uh, I was with Dana, so as soon as the uh, credits were rolling, he uh, filled me in on what was happening. Um... It was like super well fucking done. Yeah. For, I guess you would just think like a found footage computer screen movie. Sure. But it's like, it's like insanely like intricate and tight and like really 
Had you seen one of these before? Had you seen I'd never Unfriended? seen Unfriended. Okay, cool. No, I had yeah. seen um what's the one The Den. Oh, okay. I'd seen The Den yeah, before. Yeah, that one's pretty a long time ago. The reason I ask about uh Unfriended is it's the same company. It's called Screen Life Entertainment. They just and, make these types of films and they do this and they're super intricate like you're saying and I I think they're cool. I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying like I felt like if someone wanted to like bash this uh based off of like found footage fatigue without having seen it like i probably like wouldn't like uh you know like correct him for that like, sure oh, that's fair okay but it's actually super tight <clears throat> yeah i mean so searching we should i guess explain is it's super simple john cho is love a, john cho i do too john cho is a father his uh he has kind of a disconnected relationship with his daughter because uh well, it's early on in the film. Her mother is dead, which is his wife. And so they uh, kind of have a disconnected relationship and she disappears. And the whole film takes place on uh, computer screens and phone screens, m- mainly computer screens. And it's him investigating, trying to figure out what happened to his daughter. Right. And uh, I just thought it was super clever to do a like missing person film like this because a computer screen is what you do. So like when, if this happened to me, I would get on technology and try to retrace like my daughter's steps. And so like, this is like a perfect, it just rang super true to me. Like this is actually how you would try to find your daughter is through like her contacts on her phone, uh, her computer password, social media apps, social media. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so it just seems super accurate almost in a way. Uh, and I found it super enthralling to, to watch John Cho try to figure out what the fuck happened to his daughter. Right. Um, I tons was, of misdirection, tons of misdirection. That's right. Um, I like movies like this where they're like, it's absolutely 100%. No question. This person. And then they just pull the fuck. But it's not, right. but, but it's absolutely 100% this person. No, it's not that person either. Uh, I find that a lot of fun, like that kind of cat and mouse game with the sure. viewer. Sure. Uh, I have notes, super short. Great mystery and John Cho. John Cho searching. Uh, I'll take this moment to plug uh, season two of The Exorcist, which finally came out to DVD. Really? And uh, he plays the father of a uh, of several kids. He like runs like an orphanage. Uh-huh. And he's the one who becomes possessed which is super interesting. You think the film, excuse me, the season makes you believe initially that it's going to become a kid that's possessed, yeah. but it's John Cho. And that's uh, sick. John Cho becomes possessed. That's tight. And it's up to our two favorite priests, father Thomas and father, help me out. Karis. Now, uh, to help save the children and John Cho. I liked it a bunch. Nice. I liked you both fall- of those seasons a bunch. Did you fall asleep during that? Well, guess what? They were only 44 minute episodes, so I could make it through. And I watched it whenever I wanted to. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so I like searching. Did you like searching what you saw of it? Would you recommend it even though you didn't finish it? Uh, oh, yeah, I would. Yeah, me too. I would feel like I would watch Searching again before I watched House Clock. Yeah, but it's because Searching is shorter. Like, that's kind of my only thing it about... It doesn't feel short. It doesn't. But it's because you're staring at one thing for a long time. Right. Okay. But uh, they're super smart in the way they do it. I like Deborah Messing in the movie. She's like the investigator that he oh, talks to. Yeah. Uh, she, she's the, the lead detective on the exactly. case. Exactly. And I thought she did a really good job like adding. I didn't realize that was her. 
adding empathy to like this situation because John Cho is just like a wreck the whole film. Right. So I felt like she did a good job playing off of him because it's really small. It's just the two of them for the most part. Uh, so yeah, searching is super good. If you get it, especially if you can go see it in theater, like hundred percent, go see it. I don't think it'll even make any of my lists this year. Uh, but I liked it a lot. I mean, it's certainly not horror. No, I don't think so. But I mean, there's several films where people go missing. I guess we kind of call them horror, but, um, I don't know. It's a thriller. I mean, we talk thrillers on this podcast, sure. right? And I'm also, I mean, I mean, there's no rules. You can put any movie you oh, like no, on any list you want. There's no rules now. No rules from where <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting. Kidding, uh, okay. So anyway, searching, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Eric, you talk a film by yourself, please go ahead. Okay. I watched deep rising. Have you seen this? I have never seen it. And I, I really want to, I believe this is like 98. Duh. Can uh, I tell you what I know about Deep Rising? Please do. Okay. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you any <laughs> of the fucking... I can tell you who directed it. I don't know who any of these actors Summers? Are. Mark Summers? Steven Summers. Steven, uh, the mummy guy. Who would go on to direct the Brendan Fazer Mummy 1 and 2 yeah. after Deep Rising. Yeah, the one thing I know about this film is it's actually really good, but the monster is horribly CGI'd. So please tell us about Deep Rising. Uh, you are correct on it being horribly rising. Guess who... Horribly did- rising. Excuse me. It is horribly CGI. Guess who designed it? I'll give you a hint. He did the effects for like the greatest monster movie ever. Rob Bottin. You are correct. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So it is about a a group of pirates who are going to rob a luxury cruise ship. And when they, and it's like in the middle of fucking nowhere, you know, at sea. And when they finally reach the uh, cruise liner, everybody's fucking dead. Okay. And there's this fucking monster. Uh, this what monster? Fucking monster. Okay. That just starts uh, picking them off. And it's fucking fantastic. It's... I don't want to... I, 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 the, the comparison I want to make, I feel like is going to give it too much hype. Because it's actually not that good. Uh, it's fucking Evil Dead at Sea. Okay. Because it's just like campy... The, the hero of the film, he's like an idiot, but like he's the badass. He's our idiot. Um, it's a lot of fun. And it's it, it's, a, it's a fucking gory monster. It is gory. CGI. Oh, yeah. So you learn that like the monster like shits people out uh, after it eats them except for... It does what? Shits them out. Okay. Except for their skeleton. And there's this fantastic scene where they're like having to walk through like all the monster shit. Nice. Uh, of people's skeletons. Uh, Deep Rising is a lot of fun. It's a fun action horror monster movie. And that's all he dog wants. So you really liked it. I like Deep Rising a lot. Shit, man. I need to see it. Because- I almost feel like this is what the Meg should have been. Right. Where it's just like a big, zany, fucking violent monster film. And this is R-rated, right? This is R-rated. Yeah, I uh, I recently heard Shockwaves talk a lot about Deep Rising. And uh, they said it was great, just yeah. bad CGI. And I almost fucking went on Amazon and bought it. So, again, now your review. I really want to see it. Did you get the new blue? Uh, it was on HBO Go. Oh, lit. I'll go check it out. And that is how Edoc saw it. Yeah. My only issue with HBO is that they crop all the movies. Mm-hmm. I can't stand that. I don't know if you noticed that. It, I they... didn't know there was a new blue. That's cool. Who yeah. Put it out. Uh, Kino Lorber? Really? Yes. That's awesome. It has a slip and everything. It looks dope. That's cool. So yeah, that... Deep Rising is great, dude. Hell yeah. I definitely want to see it. So, I saw... A brand new film that just premiered like a week ago. Actually, less than a week ago. Let's hear it. So this is a big deal, I feel like, in the horror community because the first film got a lot of attention. 
I barely caught on to this movie. Uh, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, you heard me talk about it on the podcast. Uh, and that was Hell House LLC. Yes. So I have seen Hell House LLC 2, The Abadan Hotel. May I interrupt? Of course. Okay, so this is new to Shudder. Yes, brand new. Shudder's doing this awesome thing where starting, I think, either last week or the week before, yeah. they're doing brand new films once a week up to the week of Halloween. Yeah. And last week was uh, Hell, Hell House, House 2. 2. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch them back to back. I'm going to double feature them. E-Doc clonked out through Hell House. You didn't want, you didn't finish it? I didn't finish it. I fell asleep. And there was moments where I'd wake up and something really scary was happening. Fuck yeah, man. It was like, like, holy shit, this is really fucking scary. And yeah. I was even like watching it with someone and I feel like that, um, that comfort, relieves the tension. But it did. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. And then like some scary ass shit would happen and it stopped and then I'd fall back asleep. So that's another one I'm disappointed I fell asleep in. I don't know if I'd want to watch it again. Like I thought it was like that fucking creepy. Do you? And have, I don't know if I'm going to get to part two then. Do you have narcolepsy? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Hell, yeah. Uh, Hell House LLC. I thought it was scary what I saw. Yeah. I, that's why I think it was the last podcast. It might've been two podcasts ago. I talked a lot about it mm-hmm. because, uh, oh, it was on our watch this episode. Yeah. Uh, Shane and Kayla, I believe told me to watch that mm-hmm. shout out. Um, and yeah, dude, that movie fucked me up. Like I watched that alone in my room in the dark oh. and I kept having to look behind me. There is no space behind me in the room, but I'm like, Fuck, there is definitely somebody behind me. There's a scene where a dude wakes up, he turns on the camera. Bro, fuck that. And there's just a girl sitting in there. Fuck that. And he gets underneath the covers, and he'll peek under the covers, and she keeps getting closer and closer. No, and nah, I was like, no. oh my God. No, no, fuck and, that. And then I loved how like they have like all the like clown mannequins. Yes. And how, I and guess the kept, ghosts or whatever. They kept fucking kept moving. moving them. Yeah. yeah, that was... Duh, that shit was scary. Duh. So... I'm glad you're saying this because that, that was scary. That is the first film, but yeah. I, so I, tell me about two. I will, but that part where the guy wakes up and he looks over in his room and there's a girl sitting on the floor with like those fucked up eyes, mm-hmm. bro. That shit that fucked me up. I was like, all right, fuck that. That's scary. I like the rest of the film creeped me out. Uh, for whatever reason, waking up in the middle of the night and just seeing, seeing somebody something there. in your room, fuck that. And you know, at first I was like, is he going to notice? And then he does. And then I was like, is she going to move? And she does. And it just like keeps, it did a great job of being like, yeah. this is a scary situation and we can make it even uh, scarier. And I was thinking, why couldn't I have slept through this part? Yeah, for sure. No, <laughs> dude, I think it's funny. I'm glad you saw it. That is the scariest part of the whole movie. Yeah. So... Hell House LLC 2. the same dudes, the same writer, director? I know nothing about the first one. As far as I know. Same actors? Um, not the same actors, uh, but all the... Uh, I believe it's the same crew here. Okay. So this is Hell House LLC 2, the Abadan Hotel. Isn't that what the first one's called? The hotel that they're at? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. Okay. The film. Uh, not near as good as that really? first film. No. So... You know, I liked it. I'm really happy they made this sequel because of how much I liked the first film. I, it really fucked me up at times. This movie probably has, I mean, gosh, maybe two moments of like a little bit of creepiness. And it's a lot of the same from the first film, which is like walking down hallways and seeing somebody and then they're gone or turning a corner and somebody's standing there or, you know, shit like that, people behind people. But I felt like this film just missed the fucking punch the whole time. And I feel like a lot of it comes down to like pacing. 
this film is like, it has this device where there's like a news coverage about the people that disappeared in the first film. And then it flashes to like this guy going through the house and like, that's the scary part. But they kept relieving the tension of the film by going back to this news coverage. And I was just like, fuck man, like, are we ever going to get settled into these scares? And I don't feel like it ever settles. And I just feel like it just kept, I just feel like it kept going uh, back to the same well and then relieving the tension. It just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of fizzles out. And it was really disappointing because everything you said about that first film, it scared the shit out of me. And I think that's really hard to do. And that is perfectly evident by this film not being near as scary. I think it's a good point that I saw, I watched this movie and I really never got scared. So that almost elevates to me that first elevates film. that first film. Right. Cause I thought, you know, this is pretty easy. They walk around a corner and there's a shadow in the corner or there's a, uh, there's a clown. And I'm like, man, this is a really clever, cheap way to scare people. But having seen the second film, kudos to those guys. Cause that shit scared the fuck out of me. And this did not. Uh, another cool scene from the first one, they're like down in the basement and there's three mannequins dressed as clowns, uh, like just sitting on the ground, like against the wall. And they go to like investigate something. And when they go to look back at the clowns, the clowns heads are like staring in their direction. Yeah. And they're like freaking out. Cause they're like, look, these mannequins heads don't turn. Yeah. So how did this one, this turn? is impossible. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of that. And there's good sets pieces. And what's cool is like, I think that's what I want to do is elevate that first film. Cause I thought, wow, that is such a simple idea, but it's really creepy. And this second film tries to recreate that, but it's not patient enough to do any real scares. It's more focused on just like, I don't know, um, exposition explaining. There's a lot of explaining like, okay, you know how sequels always expand upon the mythology of the first film. This is that gone awry. Does that make sense? Like, is. this is what the hotel is. This is who owned it. This It's like, who gives a flying fuck? You so. know, you know, most times I'm against that. Yeah. Like, you don't yeah. have to give me more than what you initially told me. Sometimes it works. Sometimes. I feel like Hatchet 2 is a good example of like, they give you so much more about Victor. And I'm okay with it. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, they spent so much time explaining other shit Going back to these news things, I never felt scared for a second. And that was really frustrating. So Hell House LLC 2, let me read my my notes here. I, I like okay. doing this. Uh, I hope you like this as well at home. Uh, Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel. Here's my notes. Okay. Shutter exclusive. Worked great on Xbox. So that is something I wanted to touch on. Okay. Good. Which is the app is better okay. for Shutter. Um, I'm on a 30-day trial okay. right now um, because there was a code... Uh, we don't, we're not sponsored, but Fright Rags is. Uh, there's a code Fright Rags, all caps, gets you 30 days free on Shutter. So hit that up. I'm advertising for them, and we don't get a dime. So hello, Shutter. Um, the Xbox app worked well on this film. I'm gonna talk another film in a minute where I didn't think it worked. We'll get to that. Okay. Okay. Hell House Two has almost no sense of dread or momentum like the first. First film never gave you a second of air to breathe. The sequel is busy explaining everything, jumping to news footage. First film was relentless. So there you go. I felt like the first film just wouldn't stop showing you creepy shit. Wouldn't stop. Like you were just in that hotel with them like, fuck, 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 fuck. This was like, what about this? What about that? So anyways, Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel. You know, I would recommend it if you've seen the first film. You know, I always say this. I'm glad they made a sequel to it because now I know what a sequel to that movie looks like. 
but it's not very good. So, hey, I'm also pumped Shutter got it. And it was a surprise, right? We didn't even know this film was done. And then it just appears on right. Shutter. Like, right. I am happy to have seen this film. It sucks. It's not that good. You know, that that's frustrating. So anyways, um, shout out to those filmmakers, though. They do a good job. It's just not a great film. So, Eric, what's your next one? I revisited Goosebumps because I'm excited for Haunted Halloween. Haunted Halloween. Yes. Tell me about it. I like the first film. I like it a lot. I feel like it's, you're talking the new one with Jack Black. I'm talking the old one with Jack Black, but they recently well, the new one doesn't have Jack revealed Black. that he is in it. You know, I was staying away from that, and I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> so go ahead, go um, talk goosebumps. You know, the first time I saw it was in theaters. You know, and uh, you know, I, I guess I like my okay. I'm all for kid scary stuff for sure. I'm all for it, but you know, I guess I like you know edgy it, shit. A, you know, that sounds corny as fuck. Okay, I want boobs. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I wasn't expecting you to say that about okay. Goosebumps. You know. Um, but Goosebumps doesn't need that stuff. Sure. And it's still such a fun um, movie. Yeah, my only issue with the first Goosebumps was the overuse of CGI. Um, eh, that was my only issue like with this, it. though. Uh, I expect to, I mean, do did, did you want a man... In a suit for the fucking snowman from Pasadena. I want less throwing up at on to the screen of CGI and you can do CGI. Like there's CGI in the new it, right? Sure. But they keep that film small. I would rather watch slappy run around and chase them for a whole film than this much CGI. Mm. And you could CGI slappy and he would look good. But by the time you get the CGI Yeti thing Mm -hmm. running around town Mm -hmm. and just, I think Sony CGI is really bad. This is a Sony film with Sony CGI. So it's just frustrating. I do really like the first Goosebumps, though. Right. Uh, I guess like I, I, I guess like I expect that from a film like this. For sure. You know, it's just like this like big studio. But shouldn't we aim higher? Uh, we should. <laughs> okay. But I, I can, I like, I almost like don't fault them for just like going all in. For sure. On for like CGI for uh, something like this. I think it's fun and yeah, we're. I'm excited. We're both excited. I'm pumped. Yeah, for. Uh, I feel like part two is gonna like. I'm. My expectations are like high, for Haunted Halloween. I feel like no movies come out. I'm not kidding. After October 19th, like I feel like, isn't it cool that it's Goosebumps two one week and then the next week, Halloween. Yeah, it's we're it's, getting Haunted Halloween. Then we're getting Halloween. Yes, that's all right. You know what's funny in this mix of being so excited for October 19th? I'm not kidding. Today, I forgot Venom comes out in like two weeks. Oh, so we got Venom, Goosebumps 2, Halloween. Does anything come out after Halloween? The 19th? I have no idea. I really don't know. Asking the guy wearing the fucking shirt for the movie he hasn't seen. Uh, I don't know. So uh, are you done with Goosebumps? I'm done with Goosebumps. Yeah, I'm pumped for the new one, man. So I finally saw a film. I'm I'm excited to tell you, and I I can't even look at you when I say it. Okay. Because you really like this movie. I finally saw on Shutter Fender Bender. Okay, yes. So I saw Fender I like Bender. Fender Bender a lot. Fender Bender is the Scream Factory actually produced, correct? Original shot in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Shot in Albuquerque, and it's. Uh, I think it takes place in like Moriarty or something. I don't even remember where it's Las Lunas, maybe. I don't know. But Do they uh, even claim for it to be in New Mexico as well. I thought they just. I looked up there. the wiki to say where it was, uh, where it took place. But yeah, it was shot in Albuquerque. We live in New Mexico. Okay. It's right. about four hours away from us. Yeah. So the setting super, uh, I felt right at home. 
Right, because it felt just like... They try to amplify that desert setting. Yes. So, Fender Bender. Uh, I'm afraid you're going to say you didn't like this movie. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get to it. Okay. I loved it. Okay, good. So, I really like Fender Bender. Fender uh, sick. Yes, let's get to my notes. Okay. Uh, great atmosphere at the girl's house. So... Yeah, I just loved like the um, even though I didn't buy that it was raining outside once Mm -hmm. because uh, this is a cheap film, right? They didn't spend a lot of money on this. And uh, this is a slasher, right? So uh, this is about a girl that gets in a fender bender accident. Somebody runs into the back of her in Albuquerque. He does this on purpose. He does. And then he gets their They exchange information uh, just like you would for insurance purposes. But every, now he knows where she lives. But every time he does this, he comes and kills someone. He's going state to state. <clears throat> state to state in his car. Collecting licenses. That's right. And uh, it's a slasher. And so I loved the atmosphere of uh, her house. So a lot of this film ends up taking place just like a lot of slashers, kind of like Halloween in a way. Scream. Uh, scream at uh, this girl's house. And there was just so many leaves and trees and wind and there was some rain, but there wasn't a lot of rain because rain is expensive. Bender Bender is sick. I'm trying to tell you that. I I like his fucking mask. Yeah. His fucking leather jacket. Yep. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll just continue with my notes. Okay. It's raining and thundering the entire time. Honestly, that worked. Like my point is there's not a lot of actual rain in the movie, but I felt like it was raining outside because they did a good job with the atmosphere. Yes, Eric. Two of my favorite moments in Fender Bender. You just talked Fender Bender. Two of my favorite moments in Fender Bender, Uh First one was, uh, so he gets into a wreck intentionally with this girl. They're exchanging information. She's upset. And she tells him, I've never been in an accident before. And he goes, a virgin? Yes. Fantastic. Second part that I just fucking love. Okay, so she's just being terrorized, right? Yes. Her friends have been murdered right in front of her, right? And then she finally finds the strength to kick this dude's ass. Loved it. Yeah, Please I love it. Fender so uh, I'm trying to talk about the rain. I'm trying to talk about because <laughs> well, we all care about radio. the goddamn fucking rain. So, uh, anyways, no. The point is the atmosphere is super good, okay. and, I, and it felt super isolating, right? It was okay. funny because at the end of the film, I won't say what happens, but you see more of the area that she lives in, and there's like houses next to her, mm-hmm. and like across the street. But the film does a great job uh, of isolating you in this house, like she can't get away. And so I felt like, what is she going to do because she can't leave? So I felt like the film did a really good job of isolating her. Uh, my notes are New Mexico film, which is tight. Great violent opening. So the opening of this film is a perfect slasher opening. Yes. You think your your main character is going to be uh, who is in this opening. Sure. But of course, they get brutally murdered instantly, and you get a new character, just like Drew Barrymore in Scream. And uh, I loved Correct. that. I loved how fucked up and violent like that beginning is. It's so fucking ridiculous. Uh, the score is super tight. It's like an old school 80s synth, synth score. And I do have... Uh, a couple more notes. Great tension okay. building. Perfect fall movie. So this is a great movie Agreed. to watch during October. So check out Fender Bender. And uh, here you go. This is my statement I on Fender I think it Bender. was one of my favorites. It was. Whatever Major year list. it came out. Yeah. Major list. My, my list. My statement for Fender Bender is this is a less expensive looking Strangers 2. And so by that, I mean, there's even a part in the film where it's nighttime and the killer's in a car, and they're they're using like this lens that makes his lights go across the whole thing. It's like ocular, like the whole the lights are going across the entire um, lens, and it felt like Carpenter at times. It felt like old school slasher, 
But you know what's better than this? Tell me. Is actually Strangers Pray at Night, which I feel like was a much more expensive version of this. But I love Fender Bender. That'd be a fun double feature. I think that's a fucking perfect double feature. I feel like this director was trying to do uh, Strangers Pray at Night, which is like mimicking Carpenter and these early slasher films. I think he did a great job. It's just yeah. less expensive than that. Um, but yeah, I think it's fucking sick. So Fender Bender. I totally agree. I loved it. Yeah. I loved every second I'm, of it. I'm glad you finally watched it. I loved how violent it is. I love that she, she at one point, you know, it's a slight spoiler. She douses the killer with gasoline and lights him on fucking fire. Um, it's, you know, she fights back and tries to fucking fuck this dude up. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. Fender Bender. Uh, it's cool because one of the bonus features on the blue uh-huh. is you can like watch it like cropped at like 4.3 and there's like oh. fucking like VHS looking static. Nice. Yeah. Make it look like you're watching a VHS. You said you were going to complain about the shutter experience. Oh yeah. So on this film, uh, I, it played just fine, but it, the bit rate is just super low on these movies. Like, so the bit rate, you know, is that there's not a lot of data in the stream they're giving you. So like on Netflix, you get a 1080p stream, but the higher your connection is, they give you more bits and it looks better on a 1080p display. Well, this, I felt like they were giving me the like lowest amount of bits they could, but to push 1080. So it was like blocky. So like every screen with like, uh, every time the screen was like a black area, it was just like blooming and like, it looked terrible. So shutter. While I do love you and it is working better on the Xbox, uh, God damn, the stream they give you is so low quality 1080p. So that's frustrating. But hey, I got to see Fender Bender for, for free because I used that Fright Rags fucking coupon. Well, you know what? When you get done with that one, use that Joe Bob one. <clears throat> I will. So Fender Bender. Fender Bender. Perfect film for October. There's trees. It's fall. It's it's perfect for October. If you need one to watch this October, watch Fender Bender. I think they call the daughter Miha a lot. They do. Okay. Uh, one of the characters is from Breaking Bad. Oh, really? Yeah. His, uh, her, oh, dad. her dad. Her dad. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So there you go. Fender Bender. On to the next. Eric. I rewatched The Mummy. Tom Cruise, 2017. Oh, no. I did. I did. And you know what? I'll say it right now. I've never seen the Universal Mummy. Okay. Period. I've never seen... Have you seen the Steven Summers mummies? I've seen the Steven Summers mummies. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, You're, Easy's a big Steven Summers fan. Okay. So I was like in like sixth grade, like when those movies came out. Yes. You know? I loved them, by the way. I loved them. I could, I remember for a fucking field, for a fucking field trip at school one time. Yeah. We went to go see like part three or something. Oh, part three is a piece of shit. But Rise like, of the Emperor or some shit. But like in sixth grade, I was like, hype level was like yeah. unrealistic. And then, and then it like met. My expectations. I had such... I don't know how I feel about those movies. A now. huge crush on Rachel Wise from those films. Yes. I thought she was so hot when I was like 14 or whatever. But here's my question. We're dating ourselves, by the way. Hello. Why does that work as an action film, the Steven Summer ones, but not this one? Because this movie fucking sucks. And why does it suck? Because it's not about anything. That film has a charismatic... Um, lead not the lead because i like tom cruise love tom cruise a a charismatic character tom cruise is like just sleepwalking through this whole movie Mm. he's not doing a lot he doesn't have anybody to play off of um his opposite is uh, annabelle wallace and i feel like she doesn't do anything in this movie like it's just a deadpan dead fucking movie in my opinion 
uh, where I feel like the Brendan Fraser one is like full on, this is a B movie, let's fucking go. And this is like, no, like, this is serious. Like, Russell Crowe's in this, like, bloated and fat. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? This movie, the mummy, this new mummy fucking sucks. I I think the new mummy is destined for me. To, to greatness. Be, to, to be one of those films where it's like, I want to like it. And so I'm going to revisit it in, like, five years and then be like, nah. This still isn't good. It's and not. How, and how fucked up is it that like they had all these like fucking grand fucking plans for this big shared universe and like it's dead in the water. First fucking film out. This <laughs> is what happens when you give your entire to Alex friend, Kurtzman to Alex Kurtzman. That's exactly right. Fuck him, da. Fuck him. Fuck him. He wrote some good stuff for JJ early on. Like he wrote the him and Orsi Kurtzman and Orsi wrote. Uh, I think both Star Trek JJ films, which are good, but that's JJ directing. They're bad scripts, right? Where I feel like Alex Kurtzman is just shit by himself. Kind of like David Goyer sucks by himself. Like David Goyer is good with Nolan, but David Goyer is trash without Nolan. I hope somebody knows who the fuck I'm talking about. Because Eric's looking at me with the blankest face since... I know uh, the fuck you're talking about. Why are you saying anything? I know David fucking Goyer. He did First Blade. Fuck you. Are you a big David Goyer fan? I'm not a big David Goyer fan. He did the fucking Unborn. Fuck you. Well, you're staring at me. Okay. You're over here naming fucking superhero directors. Is that it um, for The Mummy? I want to like The Mummy. But yeah, so let me jump to my a second Annabelle Wallace movie that I watched. Well, wait, wait. Because I have a perfect transition, even though that was a... Fuck! Even better transition. Okay. How about, how about you do yours, but I'll tell you what I'm going to talk next. Okay. Uh, this would have been my transition. How about that? But then we're going to talk your film. Uh, and on that note, Eric, let's talk another Universal Monster movie. So my next film I'm going to talk is actually the original Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh. But Eric, tell me about your second Annabelle Wallace film. I watched Annabelle. And how did Eric like Annabelle? Um, Joe R. Leonetti directed. So Annabelle. I had I, never seen Annabelle. And the reason I watched Annabelle was because of The Nun. Which we will talk about. Yes. Um, I don't, it's, you know, it's not as good as... Um, creation and i feel like these films are just contradicting each other in their origin tales sure what we see in annabelle and annabelle creation is two different things uh what we see in the nun and what we see in the conjuring 2 are two different things but i i you know it was cool uh i liked how it's just kind of like biting rosemary's uh baby for sure uh style the entire time i was into that her and the dude who plays her husband are like the prettiest white people I've ever seen in my life. I don't believe either of them are real people. No. Um, that I, elevator I, sequence. Though. Holy shit. Yes. Oh, that was really scary. So she like goes down uh, the hotel, excuse me, the apartment that she lives in. Uh, there's like a basement storage area. She's down in there to do something. Um, something spooks her. I think it's like the, uh, is it the demon laundry room or something? It's a, it's it might be laundry slash storage because remember sure. like, everybody has like uh, fence cages where they can put their belongings. Yes. Um, she goes into the elevator. She starts trying to press the up button. The doors close. She thinks she's moving, but when the doors open, she's still in the basement. And the demon is like on the opposite side. The elevator's on one side. Uh, the demon's on the opposite side of the room. She keeps trying to close it. It won't close until finally she's forced to run to the exit, which is in the middle of the room. Yes. 
Um, I read James Wan uh, directed that. I, I've been waiting for you to. to and uh, th- there's uh, that ru- makes sense. Rumors that the big couple scares in this film, which is that one, uh, were directed by James Wan, which would not surprise me. Uh, she starts to run up a flight of stairs because she's running through the fire exit stairs, and the demon's still chasing her, and it's super fucking creepy. That shit scared the fuck out of me when I was in theater because I uh, saw this in theater. The other big scare that got me, um, she's in one room. Uh, you can see what's in another room behind her, and it's like a baby or it's like a small child. It's a child, yeah, yeah. And the child starts running, and when she gets into the room that she's in, she's like full-on adult. Yeah. Ugh. Like a, like an old hag right, running exactly. towards her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. It was cool. I think it's probably... I don't know. If you ask me to pick which I, what I like least between Annabelle and the Nun, I'm not sure. I feel like they're definitely the least of the Conjuring Universe films, but I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I was frustrated by this movie because I thought this was fine. I thought Annabelle was fine when it came out. And I feel like it got unfairly completely shit on when it came out. Like everyone was like, oh, Annabelle's fucking trash. Like it was all horror fans rejected immediately. And I was like, well, there's some really scary shit in Annabelle. It's not a great movie. It's not. But there is scary. Like, let's not act like you guys didn't go in that theater and get scared to fucking death in that basement. And and then now, you know, oh, it sucks. Like, okay. But I'm not saying that to say it's good. The movie is not good. Right. But there is some really fucking scary shit. It was maligned. Yeah, I think the best thing that came from Annabelle is the ultimate version of Annabelle, I think, is Annabelle creation. Sure. And the best thing about Annabelle is that goddamn demon. Mm -hmm. Um, That dude fucks me. Like, uh, straight up, I fuck with that demon. Uh, He really scares the shit out of me. And And so I love Annabelle creation. Like, that is the good Annabelle film. David F. Sandberg is miles and miles ahead of this guy, uh, Leonetti. And what's funny about Leonetti is... You know what the last fucking film he directed was before Annabelle? Oh, I was going to tell you what he directed just recently. Oh, well, let me tell you what he directed. And it was like there was like a 20-year gap on his resume of the okay. last film he did before he did. Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Wow. Okay, you, go ahead. So he is James Wan's DP. That is why he did this film. Uh, he DP'd on, I think, all the Insidious films, his two Insidious films, and then uh, I think he was the DP on Conjuring, which is baffling because he's just not a good director. Like, the other film he did recently was fucking Wish Upon. <laughs> I kind of like Wish Upon. Oh, my God. I'll never watch that movie again, but I had a fine time at the theater that night. Terrible film. Uh, yes. But, yeah, no, so I feel like uh, Annabelle has competent shit in it, but it's clouded with like this pseudo Rosemary's Baby remake. Um, I liked that aspect, but I just feel like it's it's flat. And I feel like even though I like Annabelle Wallace and her husband in the film, they're not they're kind of nothing characters. Like they're not super. Um, they're not good characters. If you're gonna rip something off, at least they're ripping off some top tier shit for sure. And that's Annabelle. And now on to my horrible segue, which is let's talk another Universal monster a better one a better one that's true um so i was at best buy in in las cruces which is a town in new mexico and tell me you bought that fucking box set i wish oh bummer no but i did buy something great which is they had the um so about a year ago best buy put out a whole slew of the first uh universal monsters each of the first films but in steelbooks with uh this art by alex ross they're all they're all black and white art 
and uh, Steelbook. So I got the Creature from the Black Lagoon nice. Steelbook, and it's gorgeous. And the reason I picked it up was when they came out, they were like 20 bucks. It was fucking on the shelf, perfect condition, nine ninety nine. Hmm. I was like, holy shit. So I picked it up because Creature's tight. Now, here's the thing. I've been struggling about how to present this. I, you know, I've seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, but I just, I'd never really sat down as an adult. Well, do we call ourselves adults? I'm worried where you're going with this. Uh, no, I had never seen it. Uh, so I hope you understand what I'm saying. I, I've seen the film. I've seen a lot of these Universal Monsters, but I never really sat down and seen it as an adult in HD. So I fired it up and I fucking loved it. Good. It's so goddamn good. good. You keep worrying me, dog. You keep wor- you keep building me up for like disappointment. But so you it, it's so working. Far. It's working, da. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's called suspense. Have you ever heard of uh, Eric Farden? Yeah. Have you ever heard of suspense, Eric? Could you define it? Well, it's when... Is it, it a four-letter word? I wish. Okay, go ahead. So on that note, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954, I believe. Correct. Uh, this Blu-ray, by the way, is fucking gorgeous it is black and white perfect looking black and white this is what's cool about black and white on blu-ray is i feel like the inky contrast that they used to shoot black and white like with film black and white film it's it's it is gorgeous looking it reminds me you know every time i watch psycho psycho looks like you're there just not in color like the contrast of these films works so well in black and white and um yeah it's just so good I did feel like, like, okay, when I watched Psycho, which is arguably much later than uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, when I watched Psycho, I feel like I'm watching a modern film. I did not feel like I was watching a modern film with the original Creature from the Black Lagoon, but I love it, man. Like, every time the creature is on screen, it's like my favorite thing in the world. It's so good. And every time he, like, picks... He's still scary looking to me. He is. And every time he, like, picks up the girl, it's like... Nothing is better than that, than the creature from the Black Lagoon holding a girl, a, a, a very attractive woman. You know, I'm I'm confident I've said this before, but the last few times I've revisited a uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, doesn't it feel like a slasher to you? Like Kinda, he's just yeah. like picking those dudes Dude, off. It's weird. One he, by one. He just keeps knocking them off. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, creature, it's just fucking good. You're right. It is like a slasher film. And every time he's on screen, it's just lit. Like that's how I can put it is lit. Uh, I would um, recommend two to you. I feel like not this, so much three. This might be the first time anyone's ever described creature from the black lagoon from is 1954 lit? as lit. But I say, I certainly do think it's lit. Um, that, that fucking seal book is sick. If you can go to your best buy and find it for 999, pick that shit up. Were there um, other monsters there? Yeah. For, yeah. They're, uh, invisible man. Ooh. Uh, Dracula was for sure there. And I think the mummy. That's awesome. But, uh, those are all on stars right now. The stars have, and I, you know, you know, I'd like to watch them. Yeah. I want to get that box set. Um, I saw Shane and, uh, Kayla, I think they got the new box set. It's a wild ass amount of discs, right? And it's way crazy expensive too. Really? Here's what's, here's what I want to do. The creature from the black lagoon blue that I got has the 3d version on it. Oh, that's sick. And I want to bring that shit over. Eric has a 3d TV. Oh, wow. that'd be fucking dope to watch that. We should do huh. a double feature of jaws 3d and creature from the black lagoon 3d. That sounds like an afternoon I would like to have. And it sounds like an afternoon that'll never happen. So on that note, creature from the black lagoon is fucking sick. It's a great classic monster movie. And with that, Eric, what is the next goddamn thing you want to talk about? I revisited uh, hereditary. Yes, I still like it a bunch because the uh, the uh, blue came out a few weeks ago. Finally, 
I go early on Tuesday morning to Walmart to get it. I take that back. It was like 10 o'clock, which I feel like is a fair amount of time for them to get the new releases out, right? You're talking Carlsbad now. I'm talking Carlsbad, New Mexico, right? I get to uh, the, you know. The what have you. The entertainment electronics section of Walmart, right? Easy's domain. Um, I can see where they've already put the price tags out, but there's no hereditary there. So I walk to the back where there's like the... Uh, uh, hello, uh, Easy is looking for hereditary. Said, uh, hereditary. You know what time they put the new Blu-rays out? I'm looking for and a, so a lady, horror film so starring Tony goes, Collette. Oh, well, there are, the lady's already started. What are you looking for? And I tell her. And she's like, oh, we've got to stand in the front. Duh. Now, it's no solo or Jurassic World, but there's a fucking cardboard stand. Of hereditary? For hereditary. Holy shit. In the front of the store, and on the side of the stand are $5 horror DVDs. DVDs. Like, DVDs. Yeah. But still, I was like, wow. What, like, I what love studios that- were the horror DVDs? Uh, Lionsgate. Huh. I wonder how that even works out, because isn't Hereditary A24? Huh. That's um, sick, though. But, I mean, I just, I love how, like, what a huge push Hereditary got. For sure. You know, it went fucking wide in theaters, and now there's a fucking cardboard stand of it so in the Carlsbad Walmart. That is fucking dope. Let me ask you this. So, I grabbed a copy, revisited it, really like it a bunch, still really good, probably going to crack the top five of this year for me. It's really fucking sad, though. Yeah, for sure. It's, like, depressing. I guess, like, the first time I watched it, I didn't know what was going to come. So I was just, like, on for this ride. Yeah. And now just, like, revisiting it, knowing what's going to happen, I was like, fuck, I'm depressed. Yeah, it's a dour film. I was going to ask you, though, so, like, I am in no way saying this is a bad thing, but the film is kind of slow. And I was going to – I've been interested. I really want to rewatch Hereditary. It is two hours, too. But I'm afraid it's not going to work a second time because it's so slow. So how did it work in terms of its pacing for you? I watched it in two sittings. I could see that, though. It's a slow film. Um, but I uh, pace never felt like an issue to me. Awesome. That's awesome because yeah. I'm pumped. I think it's going to be my number one aside from, like – Stuff we haven't seen yet, like Halloween. Right. Uh, right now, it's my number one horror movie of the year, if we can't count Annihilation, which is uh, my favorite movie of the year so far. I already said no rules, duh. No rules, duh. No, I don't, rules. I don't know if I'll put... I don't think I'll put... Annihilation is sci-fi. I don't think I'll put it on my top horror. That was Hereditary. Hereditary, so, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, I think you should revisit. I'm, de- I'm definitely going to. I was just... My concern was the length. Um, I think it's like a masterpiece, but rewatchability is what I wonder about. Right. Uh, should I keep going? You got one. I got one. Okay. So, uh, I finally saw the endless. Nice. So, uh, let's just get out of the way. So you don't have suspense. So you're not waiting. I really like the endless. I'm thinking you loved it. I didn't that, love it. You didn't love it. Oh, didn't wow. love it. I thought it was going to speak right to you. So I really, really liked it. And I think the real thing here is, and I, I feel like I'm rarely a victim of this, but this film I feel like I was hyped too much. Too much hype. Okay. Yeah, too much hype because I feel like if I had saw this film when it came out, which I should have because I really will, I was going to buy the blue. I've told the story on the pod. Um, I would have liked it more. But having heard everyone online and then you hype it to me and then- I loved it though. I like it a lot. Um, I loved a lot of the ideas. There's this idea in the film where they throw this rope into this black area, like the wilderness, and there's like something that picks up this rope. Um, I hope that's not too big of a spoiler. I'll leave it at that. Um, 
I feel like that was super effective. Like I was like, holy fuck, like how that's cool. Number one. And how fucking scary is that? Number two. Right. Um, I feel like there was a lot of cool unknown. It's like they're challenging their fears at that moment. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of like that unknown horror that I really liked. Um, I liked the intersection with resolution, which is a film that I absolutely loved when I saw it. Um, but I feel like I need to see it again as well. I love cult films. I love stuff about cults cause I think cults are insane. I think the scariest thing on the planet is the power of belief and that's what cults are all about. So I, how did you watch it? Uh, I rented it. Okay. I believe. Um, yeah, I rented it. So I, I really liked it. Uh, I think it works really well. So the endless, if you don't know, in case you have not heard of it, uh, is a movie about these two brothers. Eric has described it before. Uh, these two brothers are, uh, they used to be part of this UFO death cult type thing out in the wilderness. And they left it because they're like, fuck that. It's a cult, but they get a video in the mail, uh, that compels them to go find out what is going on with their death cult. And they get wrapped back up into it, into their UFO cult. And of course what happens is crazy from right. there. So yeah, I really liked it. I was disappointed isn't the word. I just think I was too overhyped. I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was good. Uh, I, I can't wait to see more from these guys like, uh, Moorhead and Benson. I feel like are, you know, them and like Jeremy Gardner or like <laughs> hell Jeremy Saulnier. Like, I feel like we have this like generation of indie filmmakers that are like really fucking good. Um, and we haven't gotten a lot from them. Uh, and I can't wait for them to make move. Well, Saulnier is making bigger stuff, but, uh, I can't wait for them to get bigger movies. Uh, Benson tells a really fucked up story in the bonus features of The Endless that his mom killed herself like right as they were starting pre-production of um, that film. Holy shit. And I just kind of feel like the grief of the film, I don't know, like knowing that kind of like amplified the film for me. Like, yeah. Knowing he went through a real life fucking trauma like that to then portray what's going on in, on screen, that kind of like fucked me up. Yeah. Like no, knowing I- that. That's really fucked up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So endless, uh, the endless, definitely check it out. If you're out there and you're like, Oh, that sounds cool. Check it out. Um, they have another film that this, that ties into, which is called resolution. Watch that first, a much smaller film. If you can watch that, it's really good. You don't need to see it first. I I will say though, I I think you're going to disagree. So tell me, um, while I did really like the endless, I think spring is their best movie. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go. Okay. You're going to go endless. Mm -hmm. I just think spring is like a, perfect end-to-end story and i feel like endless sort of requires resolution in a way and sort of like is its own universe where like spring is like a self-contained great fucking monster movie now i didn't catch this and i don't know if it's supposed to be the same character but the gun nut in resolution in the endless is the bartender in spring oh my gosh okay i did not you know it's funny i was looking for spring references in it and i didn't see that so that's awesome uh see i didn't catch that and then melissa watched it and she told me that's dope. She's yeah. seen Spring? She watched Resolution and Spring back to back. Nice. Uh, shout out. Uh, spring is so fucking good. So that is The Endless. Go check it out. It's good. Eric, what is Speaking your next Speaking of movie? Jeremy Saulnier. I say Saulnier. 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 Uh, when am I ever going to pronounce uh, uh, a name correctly? Never. On this episode uh, On this fucking podcast. Uh, I revisited because it just came to Netflix, and I'm assuming it's because his new film is going straight to Netflix. Murder Party. Yes, Murder Party's great. Murder Party is fantastic, and I wish I would have waited a little bit closer to Halloween to watch it. Is that what you're going to dress as? No. The Warriors? The main guy? Okay. Uh, Well, you're talking about the Baseball Furies? Yes. 
I was thinking a gang from the Warriors. <laughs> okay. But not the Baseball Furies. All right. How did I, I know you too well? Uh, so, spoiler alert. Uh, you got it out of me, Da. I knew it. You got it out. I've been saying that for years, though, that I want to be a, a, a member from a gang from it the Warriors. It was too easy, Da. It was too easy. Yeah. Um, Murder, Murder Party. Party. If you haven't seen it, it's about this lonely ass dude. Uh, it's Halloween night. He's planning to spend it by just watching uh, horror films. He's alone at home with his cat as he's walking home from the video store. Like, after... like many of us have spent a Halloween. Well, Keegan. Uh, burn. Kidding. Sick burn. Sick burn. Sick burn, bro. Um, as he's walking home from the video store, there's literally an invitation to a murder party uh, blowing down the, the sidewalk. So he picks it up, decides he's going to make some like fucking like pumpkin bread. Uh, make a costume real quick and go to the murder party. So he thinks it's just like one of these a party. Well, yeah, but he also thinks it could be like a role playing party, like uh, you know, like a clue party, right? right? A murder mystery party, something like that. And what is it, Eric? So he gets there, and there are other people dressed uh, in costume, and he learns soon that they plan to kill him. But it's all for the sake of art. You learn that each one of these characters what uh, are motivated by a man who claims he's going to give them a grant of X amount of money if he thinks the way that they're going to kill him is artful. Yes. So drugs come into play. Various other factors come into play. And uh, they start turning against each other while this guy tries to figure out a way to get out of this situation. And it's not like dark at all. I it's feel fun. Like, I feel like it's very comical. It's yep. very silly. Uh, the costumes that the other characters are dressed up as uh, is fantastic. Murder Party is tight. I just remember being like shocked. I hope this isn't a spoiler, but at one point, like the film scene's rather contained for a while, where they're it like is, in where they're just warehouse. in a warehouse. But then there's this point where like he gets to like he almost gets out and goes to like some other Halloween get together. And like he does. people there's that party, remember? Yeah, there's a that's what I'm saying. There's like another party, and I was like, whoa, like. It's not just self-contained in here. Like, there's, like, he, like, encounters other people, but they, like, think he's fucking around because it's Halloween. Right. Everyone, They're all in costumes. So exactly. It's just hauling Fake blood or right. whatever, right? And I remember going, like, fuck, that's... I never thought the film would get to, like, other people. I remember that feeling, um, like, something that wouldn't happen in that film. Right. Um, yeah, Murder Party's really good. Uh, I wish they had a blue. Does not have yeah. a blue. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how, like, far uh, Jeremy Saulnier has come from that. That's like, 2007. There's almost a part of me that wants to say, like, it's incomparable to Blue Ruin and Green Room. Green Room, yeah. Because those movies are so good. Yes. But Murder Party's tight. I don't. I, yeah. I definitely don't want to knock Murder Party. Definitely not. But, yeah, Green Room and Blue Ruin um, are, like, next level shit. Yeah. And, like you said, Murder Party's, like, a fun horror movie. Right. Yeah. So that was Murder Party? That's murder part. I got two more. What do you got? All right. I got three more. Okay. Nope. Two more. Look at that. Okay. All right. So I rewatched a film that we talked a lot about on the podcast, so I probably won't go on too long about it. I rewatched about two nights ago, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Okay. it's a good one. What a fucking great movie. Um, Agreed. The, the way I sold it to, so the reason I rewatched it was I've been going over, and I, and I related to you on this note, you told me that you've been showing movies to your mom Yes, and that often. you right, and that you liked revisiting films through someone else that hadn't seen it, and that was like helping you see the films in a new light. And it was also just a lot of fun to show it to somebody. 
Um, well, I've been doing that with my brother and his new wife, Sabra. Hello. Uh, so my brother names is Ben. He's been on the podcast before. Um, so I've been showing Ben, my brother, all these films and, you know, he likes horror. He likes films, but I'm, I'm picking stuff that I feel like they'll like, and I'm having a fucking blast doing it. Um, so like, for instance, like I'm not saying she wouldn't watch it, but I'm not going to bring over cannibal Holocaust for Ben and his new wife to watch. right? Right. So I'm like, Finding stuff, I'm like, I think you guys will like this. I think you guys will like this. So one of the things that I brought... A bit more accessible. Exactly. Was Autopsy of Jane Doe. And the reason I did that was I'm like, this is a perfect midnight movie. This is... And it also feels big. Like, it has Emil Hirsch. It has Brian Cox. Like, it feels like a Hollywood film. So much so, rewatching, I'm like, why wasn't this in theater? Right. Like, this is an IFC Midnight, Scream Factory, direct-to-video dump movie almost. And this movie should have played it at our theater. This movie should have played everywhere. This is a gangbusters fucking movie. Autopsy of Jane Doe, the second time seeing it, I loved it. You're you're talking about, uh, we're talking about mysteries earlier. Yeah. This one has a fantastic what a one. great mystery. And I mean, it presents so much like. Information. Well, like impossible shit. Yeah. That I felt like that's what hooked me right away. It was like, I need to know the answer to yeah. this. Yeah. Like it builds and builds and builds and builds. And then it crescendos at one point where like literally the lights in the autopsy room explode. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember, I had the biggest smile on my face because I was this is the first time I'd seen it a second time. And I was just like, fuck, man. Like, this movie is great. Autopsy of Jane Doe, real quick, is a film about uh, a kid who's played by Emil Hirsch from Into the Wild. Um, his dad is Brian Cox. They, His dad owns a mortuary, uh, I guess, where they uh, do autopsies on dead bodies, right? Well, in the film, he decides to stay late with his dad and do this autopsy of this mystery woman, uh, Jane Doe, a Jane Doe. And, uh, things are not as they seem. They can't figure out why she's dead. They can't figure out, you know, she looks completely fine. She looks fresh. She doesn't even look dead. And when they cut her open, there's all these insane mysteries where like her lungs are completely black. Like she, like she had been burned to death, but she does not look burned to death. Um, so this film is basically a mystery of like them doing the autopsy and shit going wrong during the autopsy and then insanity exploding at the end. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that autopsy of Jane Doe. If you have not seen this film and you're looking for a film to watch in October, this is it. Like this movie is fucking it. And, um, if I sound excited about it, I am rewatching this film. I was like, fuck, this would have been like my number one, two or three that year. I feel like you were soft on it. I feel like I was too. I feel like I was too. I think it's fucking amazing. Um, I think seeing it through their eyes and then just feeling how big it feels here. We are like two or three years later after it came out, I'm watching it on Blu-ray and I'm like, this should have went to theater. Like this is so big and so good. Um, the great camera work, great lighting, like just big scenes, great score. This movie has a fucking great score. Um, it's the motherfucker who did Troll Hunter. It's great. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. So uh, there you go. Autopsy of Jane Doe. If you haven't seen it, get on that shit right now. Eric, what's your next movie? Well, this next movie that I'm about to talk about is not great. All right. In, in fact, at 83 minutes, it felt like a chore. <laughs> and I'm talking about A24's Slice. I, get, I, get, I guess they can't all be home runs. Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper. Tell me about Slice, Eric. Um... Slice is about someone is killing pizza delivery boys. Chance the Rapper is a werewolf who worked at a Chinese restaurant where this pizza restaurant is now located where delivery boys were also murdered. So he's the number one suspect uh, in this murder mystery case. Um, I feel like that's like 
I feel like you just described Educk, right? I feel like you just For sure, yeah. A pizza delivery driver, a, a, a worthless, nameless person in a city that no one cares about. There you go. There you go. And it That's also, Eric. And it also stars, I'm not going to pronounce her name, right? Will I ever? Uh, Zazie Beats? Yeah, from uh, was, Deadpool 2. She was Domino in Deadpool 2, as well as uh, Donald Glover's girlfriend's, uh, Donald Glover's character's girlfriend in Atlanta, which I fucking uh, love. Duh, it's just like they present all of these ideas and nothing sticks. Like, how do you come up with a fun idea and then you just drop the ball at every single fucking turn? It was the most boring fucking film I'd ever seen. When I wow. started it, yeah, it's like, okay, it's not the worst film I've seen this year, but I cannot like. Did recommend. you see Winchester? I cannot. I would almost pick Winchester over this. Wow. Like this film was that fucking boring uh, to me. And I feel like I'm being harsh. I'm, I feel bad because I don't like being this critical, but that's how like much I didn't enjoy Slice. Uh, I started it. I got like an hour into it and I was like, uh, I'm going to turn this off. When I went to finish it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give Slice. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm going to give it a whole shot. I restarted it an hour into the film. It's an 83 minute film. I restarted it. And I was just like, ugh. The best thing about that movie, fantastic credit sequence. Here's what I think is funny. Uh, Paul Shear is in it. Paul Shear does the How Did This Get Made podcast. Yes. Like, you can do fucking slice on that fucking podcast now. It's like that much of a, like, a, this sucks, duh. From what, that's fucked up. Yeah. From what I've heard about this movie, I had heard it wasn't good. And so I was kind of excited to hear what you thought. And that's frustrating to hear it sucks. Do you think that plays into why it just got dumped on the VOD? 100%. Wow. 100%. I'm shocked. I'm shocked because there was like hype and like that poster came out and it looked cool. It was a cool trailer. Like I think A24, it, I think that shows how good A24 is at this. Like they've gotten good at like showing very little and- And we buy into it. Hype. Hype. Right. And, and that's good. I mean, ha- almost all their shit's good. I mean, hell, even It Comes at Night, which is a film that I don't think is like perfect. That's a good movie to me. Um, I feel like I love a lot of their shit. So there was one bit that I enjoyed a bunch. Uh, Let's hear it. The police finally arrest Chance the Rapper. They are interrogating him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's giving like wise crack answers, and the te- and the detective says, "You think you're real smart, huh?" And he goes, "No, I'm attractive." Nice. No, no, that's pretty good. That's funny. So with that, uh, yeah, skip slice. I will. Skip I will slice. skip slice stuff. Okay, one more. Uh, my last film on okay. this part of the, what we've been watching, and then we will get to our Joe Bob Briggs 13 inspired set. Yes, film marathon uh, set, and then we will review the Nun and the Predator. The Predator. Yes, but first, my last film on what we've been watching is I rewatched Summer of '84. Okay, and this is to also say the reason I rewatched it was to show my brother and his wife. Did you rent it again? Uh, yes, we paid for it. Okay. And, uh, so that blue soon. I would like to say here that I feel like you didn't like it as much as I did come into shutter soon. I really liked it, but I also didn't say it was like, I loved it, loved it. So rewatching it, I feel the same way. Well, I don't feel as strongly. I feel like you're fairly hyped. I loved it when you, when we first talked. Yeah. yeah so rewatching it made me, it secured that I really, really love this movie. Is it going to crack the top 10? It'll be on my top 10 this okay, year okay. Uh, for sure. Because, you know, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I do think it plays into some of the nostalgia, well, nostalgia porn, honestly. I think it sort of treads in some stuff that it's like, 
okay, yeah, you're, but honestly, it works for me because I like that shit so much. Um, to the point where there's a scene in the movie where, uh, a character is digging and they leave their radio, their communications radio, uh, on the pile of dirt and they cover the radio with dirt by digging, which is literally a reference to the burbs. Um, and I noticed that this time I was like, it has to be a reference to the burbs. I fucking tweeted one of the producers and he tweeted me back and said it was a direct reference to the burbs. That's cool. Um, and that made me like it more, you know, I I just think this movie's awesome. You know, real quick, summer baby four is about these kids on this cul-de-sac, very similar to stranger things or, um, all these fucking movies, you know, stand on bikes, kids on bikes, getting into a mystery. Um, they, they, they start to suspect that the serial killer that is on the news is their neighbor. And basically, uh, hilarity ensues from there. And, uh, I just think this movie's great, man. Like I'm going to buy the blue. Uh, it's only 12.99 on Amazon. Um, it's a fucking BDR, which is means it's not a real Blu-ray. It's they a just re- make copies of it. That's right. It's made that's on demand. That's what my tragedy girls is. And that's dumb. Yeah. Apparently BDRs don't like, they, they have disc rot, like they won't last forever. Um, but I'm going to, really? that's what people say, but I feel like we're kind of past that. So maybe they're better now, huh. but, uh, I'm going to pick it up cause 1299. Um, yeah, Summer of 84. I feel like if you're out there and you haven't seen it, you're going to like it. You might not think it's as great as I think it is. It might be luke- lukewarm like I was. But you're going to like Summer of 84, so for sure watch it. And watching it again with other people, it kind of made me see it again like for the first time, even though it was a rewatch, if that makes sense. And knowing the mystery, the result of the mystery the whole time. And also... Were you still okay with that? Yes. I just felt it was too traumatic. Yes. And where the trauma goes, I was even more on board for knowing it happens. I think that was... Were you like excited to see who you're watching it with reaction? Yes. One, yes. And also knowing where the film goes Did because... Think it was said? This film uh, kind of goes to a dark place. Let's just say that. And I feel like the first time I saw it, I was like, whoa, holy shit. I had no idea that it was going to go this dark. And to see it again, knowing it gets that dark... I was totally fine with it. I was like, fuck yeah, this is sick. So on a second watch, it worked much better. I would recommend you to watch it again. Summer of 84 is fucking great. Um, you you may not love it your first time seeing it, but you will like it. So please watch Summer of 84. And with that, Eric, what is your last what you've been watching? Okay, my last what I've been watching um, is another VOD title. I don't know how I heard about this film. I don't know how. I, it must have been Twitter. And then I checked the Microsoft store and it was there. So I rented it. I'm talking about Bloodfest. Not Hellfest. Bloodfest. Yes. But I think it's the same premise. It is. Of uh, Bloodfest. Bloodfest is a movie about this kid who's obsessed with horror films. Um, I don't know what that's like. There is this big time horror movie producer who's basically putting on like a Halloween horror haunted nights like Universal type thing. There, He's got like acres and acres and acres of land where there's going to be a bunch of attractions uh, built after popular horror films in this film's universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just going to go and, you know, hang out, you know, uh, in all these like haunted house. Uh, exactly movie, the same premise. Movie themed attractions. Right. Um, Is that what that movie's called? Hellfest? This, this, the one that comes out on Friday's Hellfest. Yeah. I watched Bloodfest. Yes. Um, you learn that this uh, dad's kid is just like incredibly against horror films and so like he won't let him go so the kid has to find a way to sneak um, uh, to get to go to Bloodfest 
Um, so when the film opens, he's super young. It's Halloween night. Um, him and his mom are watching Bella Lugosi Dracula, right? Okay. Uh, you learn that the doctor, excuse me, the father is a psychiatrist. And one of his patients has escaped. So they're watching Dracula. It's Halloween night. The mom gets up to get, she, she goes to like make popcorn or something. And this patient who has escaped, he's in the kitchen and he kills the mother. And the father goes, he has a gun and he starts, he shoots and he kills this man. And he tells the son, look away. But when he does, Dracula's on screen (laughs) and he's doing something, you know, equally scary. And I thought it was this real terrific moment of like, I have nowhere to look because there's horror. There's horror everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's kind of a metaphor for life. uh, True. Um, So what the film eventually progresses into, I feel like they're having fun. I feel like they're having fun. There's a hundred million name drops, not references like how you just described. Right. It, they're literally naming. Not, not inspirations. They're literally naming people, but it's like people that I know and like that I was like, okay, I'm kind of having fun here. Yeah. Uh, so this kid's best friend is, I don't know this actor's name. Uh, he plays Ned in Spider-Man Homecoming, Peter's best friend. Yes. Okay. So, so when they get to um, Bloodfest, you learn that the producer has intentionally hired people uh, there. You know, the 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 audience, the crowd thinks these are just people in costume. Right. To scare them. There are actually people there to kill the crowd. And he's planning to film Amazing. this to make a movie. Amazing. And so he's locked the crowd in, you know, into like all this area. And so it's cool. So like each area, you know, is themed. You know, there's like zombies. There's clowns. Um, I can. I, I feel like you're not going to love this. Let me get there. Okay. Let me I'm, get there. I know. I'm just, that's my guess. Okay. So, um, there's this part where they go to hide into this room, like after shit just pops off. Oh, and there's like a main slasher that's like chasing them as they're having to run through attraction. This is the exact same plot to Hellfest. Of Hellfest. Which yeah. comes out in two days that we're getting, which is cool. But we're pumped know. on. Yeah. But yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. It's funny because I was telling Dana about this and he was like, wait, you saw Hellfest? And I was like, no, this is Bloodfest. Oh my gosh. You know, it's funny. I saw this on VOD platforms, uh-huh. uh, Bloodfest. And I'm like, did they make a fake version of the movie that's coming out? Or right. what the like fuck? Like an asylum mockbuster? Yeah. Or, or is this vice versa? Did they get the idea from this film? I don't know. Um, like I said, I feel like they're having fun. Okay. You so anyway, feel like they're having fun. I, I felt like they're having a good time while they were making this movie. Sure. Okay. So gets to a part shit has just popped off they're hiding in this room there's a door that they want to go through but ned the kid from spider-man he says you're going to open that door there's nothing going to be there and something is going to jump out at us from another direction james wan has made a career off of that shit wow and i was like i give you that one yeah that's awesome yeah so it's just shit like that it doesn't keep its momentum and you're right. I didn't like it. It's not terrible. You didn't like it at all. No, no, no. It's not terrible. <laughs> okay. It's not all bad. Right, right, yeah. it's, it's no fucking slice. I can tell you that. But um, what is? I, you know, I, yeah, it was it was fine. All right. Would you recommend Bloodfest? I would, but so lacklusterly. This is where you say, go see Hellfest, even though we haven't seen uh, it. Like, like, if you were, for some reason, just, like, strapped, like, if you were just, like, bored out of your fucking mind and you had $4 to spend and you really wanted to watch something on BOD. Are you talking about you, them or is this what happened to you? And then you watch. It was actually my day off. With that it was I actually t- my day I off. to watch Bloodfest. And then there's, like, a moment at the very end where he's, like, telling his, like, sister what he's going to. 
And she's like, Blood Feast? That's terrible. And he's like, no. Blood Feast is a classic. Herschel Gordon, Gordon Lewis. Right, yeah. exactly. So it's like shit like that the entire time. Yeah. Um, some of the ideas of like why the attractions are what they are was a bit too much for me. Like you learn that the guy who's like doing this has indeed found a way to reanimate the dead. And he's like, he's, 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 he's some type of electrical current. And these people think they're playing a video game and that's how they're moving uh, the zombies. And I was like, ah, this is too much for Edog. Too much, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a part where you learn that like the respected monsters are supposed to stay out of each other's areas, but there's a part where everything just opens up. So like the zombies go into like the clowns area, okay, yeah. and that's kind of fun. Where it's just you know you're seeing the different monsters uh, interact with each other. Like I said, it seems like they're having fun. Edog kind of had fun, but uh, eh, bloodfest. We'll be back with Hellfest next episode. <laughs> yeah, next episode we will talk Hellfest. Oh, uh, next episode I'm gonna describe the same movie to you. I don't know what to think about your review of that movie. I'm just confused because it was like you were so passionate about your review, but I could tell you didn't it's like called it. Suspense, gig it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like it's cool. Like, yeah, 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 like yeah. it's fine. Like that's no, it. Yeah. It's just okay. It it wasn't shitty. It wasn't great. And with that, we're fucking down with what we've been watching. We're fucking down with what we've been watching. And uh, it is now time for the segment that we mentioned that I'm very excited about, which is the Joe Bob Briggs inspired 13 horror movie marathon. And Eric, why don't you, even though we did at the top, describe why you wanted to do this. Okay. So the last drive-in, Joe Bob Briggs premiered on Shudder. That is where he picked uh, 13 movies uh, to show in a 24-hour period. Of course, Joe Bob speaks about the films right. as they're playing. He hosts it and gives information. And the idea here is, right, that if we were going to do that, these are the films we play. Exactly. Let me interrupt you. Please do. Now that you currently have a free Shutter trial, are you going to try to watch any of The Last Drive-In? Yes. Awesome. Good to hear. So, yeah, exactly. If someone came to us and said, hey, Keegan, hey, E-Dog, we want you E-Bob. to- E-Bob. E-Bob. We want you to pick 13 movies to pick. Which ones would you pick? Here are our answers. So this is E-Bob and K-Bob's 13 last horror movie. Yeah, yeah, last drive in. There you go. Okay. Uh, K-Bob's so is wanna, a steakhouse. Do you just want a name? I do, but I feel like we should go back and forth. Okay. okay. Again, mine aren't in any order. I just right. feel like these are the films that I feel like would be for the rowdy audience who's going to stay up 24 hours yes. with me while secretly I'll probably just be taking a nap. Picture switching your TV to USA. And there's E-Dog with his home, with his hair, not combed, not fucking shaved. Like right now. Correct. Exactly. Um, and and you just get caught up in this marathon. Uh, pretend this is Halloween day hell. Okay. And we're going to sit at home and watch horror movies all day. What would you play? And these are our films. So what I was figuring we'd do is go back and forth, and then we, we say why we picked this movie. Okay, it doesn't have great. to be long, but that's why we picked it. Okay. So you want to go first? Me first? You go first. Okay, sure. My first movie is simple. It's a film that I feel like you couldn't not include on a marathon like this. Okay. And it is the original Night of the Living Dead. Classic. By George A. Romero. I feel like you couldn't not include this. And I feel like... Agreed. 100%. Eric and I have talked a lot about this where in John Carpenter's Halloween, I feel like all I want is to live in that neighborhood and sit at home while kids are trick-or-treating outside and watch on TV, on like public access, or whatever the fuck it's playing on, Night, Night of the, the Living, Living Dead, Dead, and carve pumpkins with my babysitter. It's my favorite horror movie ever, period. Yes. Uh, you're wearing a Night 
of the Living Dead remake remake T-shirt, which is a good remake though. So yeah, that's why I would play Night of the Living Dead. I feel like it it's the perfect movie marathon horror film, and that's the original Night of the Living Dead. Eric, what would your first movie? I be? I feel like we're gonna quickly get der- derivative. I don't know if I pronounced that derivative. right. derivative derivative of saying like this is the perfect horror film for a marathon like this, but. The the first film that I have picked is E-bo- a perfect Ebobs is a perfect horror film. I gotta be honest with you, I don't like Ebob. Can uh, you can you do the Ebob voice though for a minute? What's the Ebob voice? You did it last time. You, you had a little bit is of twang. Oh, um, okay. I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> okay, Eric, tell us it. Ebob. Okay, because it's a it's a fucking party movie. Yes. And I'm talking about the original Return of the Living Dead. Fantastic so film. Clearly, zombies are gonna have their presence here. It's just like. Fucking fun. That movie's a fucking fun movie. Perfect Midnight Movie. Yes. Keep going. Okay, my second film would be my favorite of this franchise. Okay. And that is Friday the 13th, part two. Nice. Uh, I feel like this is, you know, if I had to pick a slasher film to to show, you know, on this marathon, nothing is better to me than Friday the 13th, part two. It's not Jason in a hockey mask. It's Jason wearing overalls and a fucking bag on his head. And I think there are moments in this that are scary. I think the ensemble cast of the kids are perfect. I've spoke a lot about this film on the podcast, so I'll leave it at that. Friday the 13th, part two, uh, perfect for a movie marathon. Picture turning on TV and watching this. And Jason running into that to his fucking cabin. Yes, yes. And you just see him through that fucking or, window. Or picture that girl walking up to that bed and Jason just fucking leaping out of the bed towards okay. her. Uh, POV shot. Amazing. So please, Eric, what would your next film be? Well, I got a slasher too, but I wanted to be wacky. And I'm talking about Intruder, which is the grocery store slasher film. Yes. Sam Raimi produced or something? Like the Raimi's, Bruce Campbell, they all have like small, tiny, yeah. like bit roles. But this is a fantastic uh, slasher movie about uh, the overnight crew stalking. Yes. There's somebody picking them off. And the number one culprit is the uh, ex-boyfriend to the pretty head uh, uh, lady who works the register. Ew. <laughs> Cashier. Cashier. There you go. Hey, I was looking for a long way to describe a simple term. Lady Intruder. who works the register. There you go. Uh, so, uh, And also, these films would be perfect for October. So if you're asking us for films for October, I think Shane Here are did. your fucking recommendations. No. <laughs> Here are your Here's fucking your- piece of shit <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> Absolutely. So I hope you got your fucking pen and fucking paper down. Okay. So my next film, thank you, Eric. Uh, that was so nice of you to say, put it that way. You're welcome. Uh, my next film would be on this marathon, a film that I just saw last year, just came to blue. It's called hack lantern Okay. Uh, you said wacky. I said, wacky. I feel like this is, I-, I wouldn't even say this film is good, but this film is fucking batshit insane. Um, I was thinking about Halloween, I guess, because we're close to October, and this is a perfect, absurd movie to accidentally stumble upon on a marathon. You you switch the channel, and you see this, like, it's hard to explain. There's, like, this guy in a devil mask running around. It takes place at, like, this, on Halloween in this tiny town with hay everywhere. Um, long story short, hack lantern is fucking insane and really weird, and I think it's a perfect movie to show on uh, a marathon so that blue is out go pick it up it's on amazon it's cheap there's some heavy metal shit in it and uh it's a fucking weird ass movie about raising the devil so and you know i like the devil eric what is your next (laughs) marathon film ebob so if i was picking films i'd want to make sure we kept the sleaze level high as eric usually does and i'm talking about uh 
a satanic cult who's all hopped up on LSD trying to kill children. I drink your blood. Wow. Amazing film. Pivotal. Classic. <laughs> Seminal, if you will. It's, it doesn't get any better than fucking satanic hippies. Uh, contacting rabies uh, because they were interacting. Contracting, contacting rabies because they were intentionally <laughs> given to them. Yes. Uh, I drink your blood is the meat pies, right? I drink your blood is the meat pies. Yeah. That always fucked me up that people, I've never heard of meat pies until I saw this film. Mm-hmm. I don't think, we don't live in the South really though. So I think that's where meat pies are eaten. So Eric, uh, thanks for asking what my next film is. Yeah. What else would you play? And uh, this is super simple. We, I spoke about it for an hour. And it's Autopsy of Jane Doe. Okay. And I picked this, I put this on here before I even rewatched it. But the reason I put it on here is this is the perfect midnight movie. I, I can say it over and over again. This is a jump out of your seat, fun roller coaster ride mystery that you couldn't stop watching. It's a perfect movie to flip over on your TV and go, what the fuck is this? And then you can't stop watching it. Uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe. I talked a lot about it. Perfect midnight movie. That would be my next on my movie marathon from K-Bob. E-Bob, what's your next film? I'd want to make sure that I was preventing. I, I wanted. I would want to make sure that I was also presenting something scary along with a great mystery. And I'm talking about The Exorcist Three. Wow. Yes. <clears throat> That's it. That is it. We all, all right. know The Exorcist Three. What is your next? You're film? right. Um, my next film is another film. I hope everybody knows. It's the perfect film. Uh, I guess I'll. It, we're a little bit redundant on that. Uh, that's what I said. I just think it's the perfect film for this, and it's Creep Show Two. Nice. I couldn't think of a better movie because if you flipped onto it, it's an anthology film. So you could take any of the stories, start on one and just watch the rest. You wouldn't miss anything by hopping in. And I think this is like a perfect movie marathon film because it's so colorful and fun. Creep show two. I fucking love it. The raft. Thanks for the ride lady. I like creep show two more than I like creep show. I know that's blasphemy. Eric E Bob. What's your next film? I'd want to make sure I'm also showing classic stuff. And I couldn't be more simpler than uh, describing classic when saying I would show Evil Dead. You know, it's funny. While you're speaking, I'm looking at you explaining this and going, he's going to say Evil Dead. You want to know what my next film is? It is the Evil Dead because... Classic fucking movie. I feel like you would have to. This, that is... That is a horror movie. Yes. The horror movie, almost in my opinion. Uh, I guess I'll do my next one because Evil Dead was my next one. Okay. this okay, you said sleaze. I said sleaze, and I feel like well, Hack Lantern is sleazy, by the way. This is sleaze, and I feel like this is a cl- sleaze classic, if you will. This is Sleepaway Camp, fucking Perfect. amazing film, and I feel like you know I have to have slashers on here because it's a movie marathon. I love slashers. These are the movies I would want to see on a fucking marathon, right? Sleepaway Camp, love it. Again, I want to make sure you're still having fun. And I also need something to be a bit brief, maybe. I'm going Monster Squad. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Next film you're picking. Next film is a movie I've talked about a lot. I feel like I like way more than most people, and I'm not sure why. Night of the Comet. You know, I don't dislike Night of the Comet, but I I feel you here. Night of the Comet. I feel you here. You know, it's just the perfect midnight movie. You know, everybody turns into fucking dust, and these two chicks are trying to figure out what the hell happened. They're walking around this empty They're city. Like valley girls. Valley girls. And, uh, you know, I just think it's the perfect film to accidentally flip on and go, wait, there's people disappearing into dust? And it's like, they're the last people on Earth? It's amazing. Night of the Comets, one of my favorite horror movies. Eric, what's your next one? 
if I'm showing you slashers, I want to make sure I'm showing you one of the best in the genre. And you can't go wrong with Scream. Little modern, little modern from uh, everything we've been talking. Oh, well, wait till I get further down this line, miss. It's funny because as I'm saying that, I have some modern shit coming as well. Uh, my next film from K-Bob. Okay. I just like saying it because it's K-Bob a steakhouse. Steaks. Yep, exactly. Diamond Steakhouse. Yep. Arcasia, Thank you. New Mexico. Thank you, Eric. Yep. Uh, shout out. Shout out. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you hear this, give us some free steaks, even though <laughs> I don't like steak. Really? But go ahead. Yes. My next film is one of my all-time favorite slashers that I would kill to find on TV by accident. That's hair, G. It's a film that isn't available on Blu-ray. I don't even know how to fucking watch this film at this point, but I love it. I'm Every- interested. April Fool's Day. Oh. Perfect. Goddamn uh, slasher. Duh, I'm not making this up when I say I just saw it on like Showtime no or, shit. or Cinemax or, nice. or one of those apps. Well, uh, now here's an interesting fact about April Fool's Day. Oddly... Actually, if you know me, this isn't that odd. Two films on this list star Amy Steele. So there you go. There you go. April uh, Fool's Day. And Friday too. Eric, what's your next film? Okay, now we, we've, we've already used the word perfect to death. In this so say segment. it again. So, so I'm going to say it again. Okay, come on, so come on. Come I'm on. about to just, I'm about to, so I'm afraid to tell you, but you're wrong. Every time you've said you've picked the perfect film for this list. Because, Great. Because I've picked the perfect Wait, film. Wait, Eric thinks I'm wrong? I didn't know that was possible. Where Elvis Presley fights a mummy and a black JFK helps him, I'm talking about Don Coscarelli and Bruce Campbell's masterpiece, Bubba Hotep. That is a perfect film to watch. Now, it's a little slow, but I totally agree. Yep. That's a perfect B-movie in Especially a way. for this idea of a marathon. Please, continue. Yes, so my next film, a uh, little bit of a uh, trend here, because it's another slasher coming at you, on K-Bob's Steakhouse. Diamond Steakhouse, Steakhouse. New Mexico. That's right. This is Just Before Dawn. Never seen. Now, the reason I put Just Before Dawn on here is it is a underseen slasher. And these are like, that's why why I said Hack-A-Lantern too. I was trying to think like bigger films, films I think people should see, and then really sort of under the radar shit that would be perfect for something like this, where you're, I know we've said perfect a lot, but where, you know, you're watching Evil Dead, you're watching Sleepaway Camp. You're like, man, I love these movies. I've seen these, Night of the Comet. Just before dawn, I haven't seen that. You know what I'm saying? I think it's I that. That's why I think it would be cool for it. Uh, it's an awesome slasher out in the woods, um, underseen wood slasher. Great movie. Just before dawn, I like how you're trying to suggest uh, underseen films. You know, so maybe a new audience would find them. Sure, yeah. But I went in the opposite direction, and I wanted to make sure people were just seeing bangers and having a good time. And my next film is the original Fright Night. Oh wow, yeah, that's a perfect one. Um, yeah, no, I guess my, my idea was like, if you're going to watch the marathon, you watch a bunch of films, you know, and love, and then, Oh, what's, Some what the hell is Hack-A-Lantern? Right. Yeah. Um, so my next film is a film that is one of my favorites of all time. I talk a lot about it. I'll just say it. It's Chud. Nice. What perfect better than watching in the middle of the night on Halloween day, which I like to think this would take place on K Bob steakhouse, middle of the Artesia, night, New Halloween Mexico. day. Midnight on Halloween Day. Correct. This is... You're just eating a big old fucking steak from fucking <laughs> Diamond Steakhouse. You're just eating chud you're and eating, you're watching you're chud. you fucking booberry fucking cereal. Eating it up. There you go. Watching Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers starring John Hurd. I love this goddamn movie. It Not much more to say. Chud. I gotta be honest with you. I hope Chud 2 makes your list. I hate to disappoint you. Okay. Bud the Chud did not make my list. All right. Eric, what's your next film? Gonna, I want to say my next two films. As okay. One. Okay. Oh, there's no rules. There's no, there never should be. Okay. I want to make sure you also feel like you're getting punched in your gut while you're watching my marathon. Great. And I'm talking about, and it's great that we've been talking this guy on this episode, 
Green Room, and different director, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, nice. Yep. I want to make sure you're watching some Nazis get killed, and I want to make sure you're watching a fucking cannibal western. Yes. Uh, two fantastic films. I never expected to see those on there. Um, let's get to mine, and then I have a I comment. told you I was going modern. Yeah. So my I next, got two more. I do, too. Okay. My next two are uh, Phantasm. You know what? I had Phantasm on my yeah. list. And because I had Bubba Hotep, I thought, uh, I'm going to take one off. So, you know, I'm a much bigger fan of Phantasm than I am of Bubba Hotep. I like Bubba Hotep, but Phantasm, this is horror movie marathon. I, I will say, I, I mean, I won't say this is a hill I'm going to die upon because I think a lot of people agree with me Because you'll this. probably die on top of another hill. Th- this isn't a controversial opinion. But like Phantasm is one of the greatest horror films ever, period. And I believe the tall man needs to be likened with Jason, Mike, Freddy, Leatherface. He needs to be on t-shirts at Walmart. I yeah. think Phantasm is that big and that good and that huge. I definitely like it. I think the franchise isn't near as solid in terms of like how big those films Compared are. Compared to the other fran- franchises. Yeah, I Phantasm... Just is smaller in its sequels, but yes, the but original so Phantasm good. is almost better than the first Friday the 13th. It is. So, yeah. Another. Eric, like, not being dumb. What's your next one? Pivotal horror film. Okay. Uh, you've already said this one, and who would I be not to pick this to? So we have two that match on our list? And it's an obvious one. Okay. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. I, I, you know, I thought as soon as I said it, you'd be like, oh, I have that too, because there's no, there's no way you could not include Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, I only have one more. Me too. Um, and it is uh, another slasher. Right on me. But let me tell you why I picked this one. I want this to play in the middle of the night because it's about midnight. It's a, as far as I know, New Year's slasher. And this is Terror Train. Oh, okay. I fucking love Terror Train. Jamie Lee Curtis, slasher on a train, killing people in different masks. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. You finish. Oh, it's Terror Train. I, I think it's... You know, we've said perfect a lot, but the reason I picked this was this takes place over a long night in the middle of the night. And it's all about like staying up, getting drunk and shit. And this is, you know, marathon. Shall I say perfect for a marathon? Might as well. We've only said (laughs) it 40 times. Uh, I love Terra Train. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, This movie is kind of an underrated slasher. Out of print on Blu-ray. Just went out of print. So there you go, Terra Train. Go ahead, Eric. Okay, so my last film. And who would E-Dog be if I didn't pick a film directed by this man? I'm obviously talking about The Beyond. Yes. Fulci. Yep. Lucio Fulci. I thought about Fulci. I, I thought, about, thought about Fulci a lot, G. Th- Every time you said Sleaze, I was like, he's going to say New York Ripper. He's going to say New York Ripper. I thought a lot about New York Ripper. He thought a lot about New York Ripper. I think about New York Ripper away from this list, just at home Good. by myself. You should. So, uh, yeah, no. The interesting thing here is I thought we would have some crossover. We do, but we have less than I thought. Out of all these films, we only had two. Follow-up question. Okay, who in real life can stay up for 24 hours? you got to fall asleep at some point, right? Right. Of the films I picked, which film would you be like, eh, I'm crashing out on this one? Because I can tell you which one I'm crashing out on the one you picked. I'm crashing the fuck out on Terror Train. Nice. Yep. Why? You know what? Eric doesn't like Terror Train all of a sudden? It's, it's a Jamie Lee Curtis slasher film that never resonated with me. Nice. Uh, I'm trying to think through your films. Another confession. Okay. I haven't seen Mandy yet. Me either. Oh, I was going to tell that story on the podcast. I had this, oh, oh, I had this ultimate plan to, when I came back from Las Cruces, uh, to go through El Paso and go to the draft house and see Mandy. Oh, shit. Uh, it was playing there? It was playing there. Ah, oh, dude, you fucked up. Your boy spent too much money. 
So I didn't make a stop because I was broke. Nah, I would have been jealous if you came back and told me you watched Mandy. But at you the know draft what? House. We would have got it the next day if I saw it at that fucking draft house. So. <laughs> Where you paid fifteen dollars for a chocolate milkshake. That's true. So, yeah, but they're good. Uh, yeah, the only crossover on our list, uh, Evil Dead, which I feel like at night. Yeah, and Night of the Living Dead. Um, you know, notable exclusions, Halloween, right? The reason I didn't include Halloween was I looked at um, the films that uh, Joe Bob did on Shudder. He didn't do, like, the biggest bangers. So I wanted to keep my biggest banger, Halloween, out. Mm-hmm. I also felt like well, it was sure that, I mean, I mean, he just had probably what was available to Shudder, though, to him, right? Yeah, yeah. And I guess this is pie in the sky. But I just felt like it would be too on the nose for me to say, oh, Halloween. So... Which film are you crushing out on for my list? You know, I'm. I keep looking at your list. I really don't. Probably Exorcist three. Exorcist three. But Ouch. that's not to say Exorcist three is bad. Ouch. Exorcist three or Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk is two hours and twenty minutes. That's why. Time. That's why. Yeah. So mine would probably be well. Monster Squad's only like eighty minutes, but I might be passing twenty four hours here. So, I guess that's not true. And I guess his was twenty four hours because he's talking. Here, right. I guess. We should do that. We should do a live stream. This is impossible. Well, that would never happen. It's no. a joke because licensing. Um, we can never show these movies. So that is, what do you want to call that? Our uh, E-Bob and K-Bob's. Wish fulfillment. Drive-in? I don't fucking know. The Ghoul Squad drive-in. No, no, no. Stop it. The what Ghoul Squad drive-in. I was kid- it's so good I said stop it. Uh, yeah, Ghoul Squad drive-in. That is our Ghoul Squad drive-in segment. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think... It may be time for to a little. Finally, get to oh. Well, it might be time for a little segment that's called. It's everybody's favorite part of the movie crypt. The movie crypt. <laughs> Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you. Okay, perfect. Okay, great, fantastic. <laughs> um, again, I'm gonna free ball this one. I got no notes. Eric's always free balling In now. In fact, I already deleted the two notes I had. So you did have notes. No, 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 no. So no. Eric's not free balling. No, 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 I'm talking about I had a list of what I've been watching and I had a list of what movies we would pick. You deleted your notes? I deleted those notes because fuck them. <laughs> I don't need them no more. What if I need them for editing? Fuck. Fuck them. Fuck them. Okay. Okay. So. Eric Cuffins, Tunes. Fuck you, Eric. Okay. So since this episode, this podcast is about nothing. I mean, this entire podcast in life in general is about nothing. I thought I would just briefly discuss a, I don't know if they're horror punk, a horror band that I found and quite honestly have fallen in love with. Uh, It is a band called Cemetery Spawn. Cemetery Spawn is one man, and I'm going to try to pronounce his name, but we we both know. E-Dog ain't going to get it right. (laughs) Okay. His name is Mike Roch. Hold on. Give me a second. Mike Trablecock. Okay. <laughs> now, Mike Trablecock. Well, what's his name? Mike Trablecock. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, he's, he's had other bands, I guess. I, and, you know, I've never heard of old Mike Trablecock until Cemetery Spot. <laughs> and apparently he had a band called the Killjoys. I don't know what type of music the Killjoys were, but I assumed if you knew of the Killjoys, it'd probably be your favorite band just because of how much you love My Chemical Kill- Romance. I was going to say Killjoy the Clown. I have a Killjoy 3, Killjoy's back tattoo. It's so crazy. You should ask, you should tweet at him. (laughs) FaceTime me. Get Keegan. Snap face. Get Keegan to show his fucking uh, Killjoy 
Tattoo. I have no tattoos. Please go ahead. Uh, me neither. So, Mike Triplecock, he writes and performs all of the music for Cemetery Spawn. Here's what's really cool about Cemetery Spawn. Uh, just last month, or maybe the month before, he put out a five-song EP. Okay. And each one of these songs is for an upcoming horror film. On his band camp, he describes that he's trying to get back to, like, the age of Dawkins. Okay. Where horror films, you know, Alice Cooper's The Man Behind the Mask. Where horror, he's back! Where horror films have their theme songs. Um, and I checked IMDb. These are all actual movies that are like in pre or post production. Uh, he has uh, music videos for each one of um, these songs. And if the music videos are any indication of what these films are, they are micro budget as shit. Nice. But that's fine. We've got no problem with that. And I had such a hard time picking. Uh, a song from this EP, Music for Maniacs, but I, because each one is so much fun, I ultimately went with, because it's got a fun, kind of bouncy synthness, synthness to it, you can't take it with you. is uh, Cemetery Spawn. And I think that's a fantastic idea where he's trying to give horror movies theme songs again. And what is that song based on? Uh, it's for a fucking Christmas horror movie that's coming out. That's called like Uncle Krampus. Oh my gosh. That's, okay. that's not right. Uncle. But, or it's called like Lord Krampus or something like okay. that. But yeah, it's a Christmas song about all the gifts that are just going to destroy you. Nice. Yeah. That so, sounds awesome. Yeah. So check out uh, Cemetery Spawn. Yes, and you just heard that song. You just you just heard you can't take it with you. Bam! Bam! All right, we're going to finally get to our fucking main attraction here. All right, hit it. All right, so uh, I feel like this episode has gotten pretty long here so i'm not sure how long these reviews are but we will promise to give you our full reviews yes of the nun and the predator and uh i want to start with the nun uh before we proceed uh what did you what which one did you like more wow that's a great question um you know i honestly you're gonna find this out in these reviews i felt very similar about these films okay um you know ah, fuck that is so tough you know, if I had to watch another one tomorrow, if I had to watch one again, I would probably pick The Nun. Okay. But I am a horror fan. But uh, I felt very similar about these films. What about you? Oh, Predator 100%. For sure. I figured you would say that. Uh, Eric is a big Predator fan. You will find that out. Let's talk The Nun. Let's what talk were the nun our first. expectations going into this film? Eric, what were yours? Okay, so I think the Conjuring Universe films are scary. Yes, me too. Uh, I was expecting uh, something scary. Um, I honestly didn't know what to expect other than a high scare factor, you know, because this is just another uh, side character that's getting a film that I know nothing about. Yes. So I didn't know where they were going to take it. What was the? T I was super uh, surprised at the time period it was set in. It's the 50s, right? Yes. Uh, just 
assuming you know like it was like these cathedrals and uh, the way people were like dressed i was thinking it was going to be like you know the 17th century or something so you know i really didn't know what to expect to go into you know there was another farmiga was she going to somehow be related sure to uh the farmiga from the conjuring films uh other than expecting it to be scary i didn't know what to expect yeah i kind of feel similar i mean i was pretty excited about this movie because i feel like coming off of conjuring 2 and um annabelle creation specifically which if you know me i feel like i've been jocking that movie pretty much since i saw it they're two solid line drives for sure yeah and i feel like annabelle creation is like holy shit this is what these spinoff films can be correct like true it can be this tight this tense this scary and it doesn't even have to be directed by james wan which is new the spinoff film can we talk james wan for one second sure supposedly he's going to produce the train to busan remake yeah okay let's keep going uh the spinoff film uh you know annabelle creation showed us can be equally as good as the main universe yeah stuff and just as fucking scary too okay which blew my mind and i feel like you know david sandberg for that movie perfectly emulated james wan and what i love about james wan and so heading into the nun for me i was like oh shit i'm ready like after annabelle creation i hope they add their own spin like i feel like sandberg did but also mimic james wan and make a super tense scary fucking movie that was that's relentless how do you feel about corin hardy so like he was a good pick i didn't see the hollow okay did you i did i don't fucking remember it so i know that it's a big film somehow i missed it and i don't know do we want to just get started get started so i guess my point is i was very excited about this film i had very high expectations and i didn't love the nun Okay. I'm with you. And I was very, very ready. This is important to know. I was so ready to love every goddamn second of the nun. Even so much so they cast, like you said, another Farmiga. I love, we love Farmigas. Yes. Uh, if anybody knows me, they know I love Vera Farmiga and a close second is Tysa, right? Tysa Farmiga is one of the main characters. And I was so excited, so excited going into this. Couldn't believe that it was like perfect casting director of a film. People liked, I like Damien Bruchere. Not sure yes. if I'm pronouncing that right. But I just felt like, all right, I'll get into it. Okay. What I felt like The Nun, you know, I did like it. I thought it had good. Let's talk stuff we liked. Okay. Um, I liked the crazy Romanian fog. I liked this. Oh, I love the aesthetic. You know, yes. sweeping through the graveyard where it's just made up of wooden crosses. Yes. I loved the cemetery, the, what you're saying. The little cemetery area where there's all these crosses, uh, n- punched into the ground and these fucked up trees. It's very dark. It's a very, very pitch black, almost movie. It's Gothic. It's very Gothic yes. in its, in its style. And there are scenes where I feel like the height, almost the height of the film happens pretty early. And it's where this fucking zombie nun thing, which I guess we won't spoil, but just yet just fucking comes out. And I feel like that scene is probably my favorite scene in the film. And that's super early. And I kept fucking waiting for this film to turn the fuck up to a thousand and go nuts and i just never felt like it did i felt like it just kept like it had every it had all the right things right like it has this insane open where um it's the opening so we will talk spoilers but i feel like it had this insane open uh how about this this violent open right i'd like to discuss it later yeah let's talk it later and i was just like holy fuck like this is fucking what i'm talking about it's very um not religious it's very 
uh, satanic in its imagery at times. And I'm like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then the film just sort of meanders and it's about, there's too many characters and it's too adventure. It's almost like an adventure film in a way. Like, let's get together and go to this castle and figure out what's wrong. Right. Rather than let's go get tense and fuck people up with scares, I didn't feel like it did that, Eric. Uh, please, what did you think? Uh, I agree with you. Um, and, and then it gets to a moment where it decides it just kind of wants to forget about the story and it just kind of wants to try to scare you. Yeah. I felt like for a moment, the story just kind of took a, went to the back burner and it was like, here's a jump scare. Yeah. Here's a jump scare. Here's a jump scare. And I was, and I'm with you when like waiting for it to like, let's get wild now, you know, but it's yeah. just going to show me these misdirection scares without advancing the story. Yeah. Let's, what I kept waiting for was that scene in Annabelle creation, which it's, it's not the end of the film. It's pretty early on, but it's the first real big terror which I feel like this film had none of, which was uh, when the girl uh, is, is sees the, the little girl in the house and she's like, hello? And the fucking little girl turns around and it's that demon's face and it fucking scratches the little girl and she runs screaming into the hallway and it's this massive scare, right? With great score, which is another thing I want to talk about. And I feel like this just never had that moment. It never had the whole fuck, God damn it, that's so scary. I just felt like, eh, eh, eh. Like it just kept... I don't know. It, I was just so blah. Like, and maybe maybe they didn't care to make this super scary. I gotta tell you, I'm afraid of what you're gonna say about Predator. If you're saying the nun was eh, and you preferred the nun over the Predator. Okay, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Um, there was there was a few set pieces I was into. Yes. Uh, specifically, uh, whenever the priest gets buried alive. Um, yeah. Some of that was fun, and I agree with you. It was more fun from, like, an adventure point than it was from, like, a, this is scary. You know, I was just like, oh, fuck, he's buried alive. Is he going to get out of this? Never was I worried about him. Yeah. Never I, was I worried about, like, ooh, this is tense. You know, this is just like, oh, this is kind of fun. They're looking for each other. One's buried alive. I, I feel like you're perfectly describing one of the things I thought about The Nun, which should never happen, I feel like, for a film called The Nun in the Conjuring Universe. Okay. It felt like National Treasure at times. Okay, like, I'm with you. Like, puzzly. Like, you have to find the, the key for the puzzle. And they're, like, they're, they're literally looking for Jesus Christ's blood at one point. Yeah. Because like, that is what's going to defeat uh, The Nun. I When we got out of it, I thought you had a, a terrific... Um, comparison. Comparison. You're saying how the Conjuring, you know, I'm going to use air quotations, you know, they're grounded in like the reality of the Warrens. Whereas the nun was like, it's about knights storming a castle. It was like this big, like it was okay. So that's my main comment on the film. I, I think this film is what I term a kitchen sink film. I just felt like it was everything. Like you're saying, like it was night storming the castle to, to, to get this nun to and overthrow then, this evil priest or something. No, this evil force. And then the evil force has, we, we have to talk in spoilers why I think it gets way too big, shall we, but it's, shall we delve into that? Let's get to it in a sec. Okay. But you know, and then it's like, Oh, uh, there's the ending is so comically big for this movie. Right. Like, why is this so big? Why can't we just, you know, animal creation was about, you know, these orphans that go to this place and are terrorized by this demon that is trying to get them and get inside, basically get, um, uh, take take their bodies over. Right. And I felt like this was like, an evil is going to take over the world. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, that's true. It's this huge, like world domination plan. Exactly. And I feel like, you know, the conjuring, even those conjuring films, which are not near this big. It's just about a family terrorized. Yeah. And like this film costs $22 million. And I'm just like, 
Why? Why is the spinoff of The Conjuring $22 million? And why is it this big? You know, I'm not shitting on it. I liked the movie. I had a good time. I was just shocked by the whole thing. I was like, this is what The Nun is? Like, this is what we did? After all this, like, you couldn't just go to, like, okay, have the castle setting, right? But you couldn't just have, like, tense scares in the castle. Instead, I feel, and I feel like all the scares suck, but please. I kind of feel like Corn Hardy should do a superhero movie now. I like feel after like after the nun, like that should be his follow-up. Yeah, I think he's a good director. I'm not knocking him. Yeah, I'm just saying I think his uh, directorial style will better fit like a bigger film than like what's supposed to be a tense, scary film. I feel like you're right. Like he he shows he's ready for something really big, right? But I just don't think this film should be that big, and uh, because it's so big, and that's kind of a weird thing to knock. You know, like you had a grand scope, but like okay, some I'll, things don't need. I'll that. tell you why. It's grand scope. In in exchange, you know, for you you lose the tense scares by going this big, and I feel like the scares in the film you were saying like they're they're jump scares, but they're actually jump scares. They're not what I have termed sequences of terror. These extended sequences of mm-hmm. terror, which I think Annabelle and uh, Creation and The Conjuring have, and I feel like he didn't mimic Juan uh, at all, and that kind of frustrated me. Like. Uh, what's so scary about those films are like these really immersive scares where like James Wan and David Sandberg in that film puts you in the scene with these wide angle lenses where you're just sitting there with the character and they move from side to side in a room. And that's the scare. It's as simple as that. Or like there's just a lot of camera tricks in those films that make it feel immersive. And one of the things is that wide angle lens where you're just in the, in the scene with the, the, the character. And this was like literally close up shots, like boo, I'm like, right. what? Right. What? Exactly. The nun is boo? Like, I th- I feel like people think like The Conjuring and Annabelle Creation are boo films. They're really not. They're these, right. I call them, you know, I was talking to you outside the, outside the, um, I'm clearly more passionate about this than you're going to be more passionate about The Predator. I, I kind of termed it like, I feel like James Wan's films and, and, and also uh, Annabelle Creation have like all this foreplay leading up to the scare. And I feel like this had, this was Wan without the foreplay. Like, right. I just felt like it wasn't immersive in any way. Like I felt like these were just booze and every time it was a boo, I was never even scared for a second. Like there's one sequence towards the end with Tysa Farmiga in a basement and she's running, screaming from something. And it was the one time I felt terror in the movie one time. And it was for four seconds. And I was like, wow, even the ending. The ending is just too big. There's no terror in it. It's just national treasure. I'm completely with you in saying that like I never felt like creeped out. Not for I a second. I never felt, you nope. know, worried. You know, sometimes um you know, the tenseness translates to you where I feel like, you know, I'll be watching something scary and it's just like hurry up and jump out at me, you know, so I can like yeah. relieve this anxiety that you've built up in me, but like never experienced that. Not for a second, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um anything else before we get to spoilers? Sorry, I'm I'm super passionate about because I love these films and I was really excited for this one, but it just kind of let me down. I did like it. I thought it was fun. I liked the you know atmosphere. I think it has good atmosphere. It has cool setting, but it's way too big at expense for its scares. It it loses its scares for this big scope, and that's frustrating to me. Right. So, if you haven't seen the nun, we're about to talk nun spoilers. We're going to talk some nunny spoilers now. If you want to get to the Predator review, I'm going to desperately try to remember to include timestamps in the description. So scroll down on your podcast app or wherever you see the description and look, if you haven't seen the nun, 
listen to our Predator review by going to the timestamp. You know, it'll tell you where to skip to. So uh, let's do it. None spoilers. Okay. So if you haven't seen The Nun, please don't listen to this. We're going to do it now. Please, Eric, none spoilers. Or maybe you don't give a fuck about spoilers. Starting now. Away. Starting now, leave. Or stay. Uh, or so, just don't listen to our podcast ever again. <laughs> which, which is probably the best bet. Right. Okay. For sure. So the, the first thing uh, I'd like to talk about is the opening scene. Okay. Yeah. So you learn that there's this demonic forest in this fucking cathedral. Fucking cathedral. And this fucking uh, nun uh, kills herself. She jumps out a window. She hangs herself. And that is what uh, kickstarts the uh, motion of events yes. uh, into action for this film. Uh, a priest as well as a woman who uh, has not yet taken her vows to be a nun go to investigate why this uh, nun hung herself. Uh, and the reason they learn about this is because there's like a farmhand. Who is this guy supposed to be? His name was Frenchie. Yeah. Uh, he is like, oh, he who takes supplies to the cathedral. Yeah, he's correct? the one that found the body. Right. So he sees this body uh, hanging. And then... The tension from the rope or whatever finally decapitates the head yes. and the body falls. And I love it when these types of like big films that are like playing in theaters go for that type Me of too. stuff. You know? Me too. Like, you know, I guess I would expect that in like a smaller, more you know, like hatchet. Yes. You know, something like that. And so I'd love to see something like that huge on the screen. And I yeah, was just brutal like, and macabre and fucked up, but like right in front of us in Carlsbad, New Mexico, there's right. people here. It's sold out. And it's that fucked up. Right. Yeah. You know, the, 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 you know, there's the family that's brought their kids and I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Just don't talk. Please. <laughs> please. See, Shut the fuck see up. See the nun decapitated, you know? Yeah. So I'm just like, <laughs> kids, kids, look at the, <laughs> look at the decapitated <laughs> nun. Could you please not talk, but could you please witness <laughs> please. this? <laughs> Watch the decapitated nun kids. Yes. So, um, you know, let's work on that film next. Uh, yes. The, the decapitated nun. Yes. Um, so, you know, I was on board. For that. Me too. And I was even on board initially as to why the nun killed herself. Sure. You know, because, you know, they, they show, you know, I had, I had I'd initially had a tough time following what was going on. Because there's like a part of the cathedral that you learn is like where the guy who was trying to raise the devil like worked. And so like the devil is, you know his influences are still in that part of the cathedral. Yeah. So the rest of the nuns, they can like hang out. They can fucking go skinny dip and sunbathe, whatever the fuck they want to do in the cathedral, but they can't go into that part yeah. of the, of the cathedral. And that's where this action takes place, where this nun is running from whatever this force is and then decides she has to, uh, kill herself. Yeah. Right. So, um, and then we just kind of start kind of national treasure. Right. Uh, plotting down. But I guess I feel like, you know what, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm bad, if I'm talking shit about how, like, I didn't think it was scary, then you know what, let's, let's say what I did like, and since we're now talking spoilers, sure. some of these set pieces. Yeah. Okay, one of the one I brought up was where he gets um, buried alive. Yes. So the priest has this backstory where he performed an exorcism on a child, mm-hmm. and the child died, and he questions, you know, did he go too far in yeah. the exorcism? Does he think was the child even possessed, or was that never a thought? I'm not sure. I, I all all they say is that he performed an exorcism and the child didn't survive. Right. So, so he feels bad about that. Right. So he's haunted by the presence of this ghostly little boy. Yes. So he's like in the cathedral's cemetery, and the boy appears. No, first the nun appears. It's real creepy, and then the boy appears, and he throws up a snake. Yes. 
And I'm like, oh, shit. And it lunges at him? I think so. And that's what causes him to fall into um, the open grave. And it immediately covers, and that felt, like, real cringeworthy to me. Because, like, even the headstone, like, has his, like, name and his, yeah. like, birth and burial date. I, I remember... I so I, I don't use this word a lot. I remember like my I kind of cringed my eyes a little bit whenever it said his name on the the tombstone. Right. I'm like, this literally feels like a joke. Like this right. would be in a Sam Raimi film. And I think <laughs> you described that perfectly. I think listening to you talk about that perfectly, like maybe this film. Okay, maybe I have this all wrong. Maybe this is just supposed to be fun. If that's the case, I have. I fun. don't think so. I don't think so either. I think they're trying to be scary. And I had, let me say that I had fun watching the nun. Sure. But I never, it just wasn't, wasn't scary. And it's not just, Oh, so well, it didn't scare you, bro. Valak scared the fuck out of me in the conjuring Two. Duh, so when she comes out of the painting in yeah, conjuring Two. It's that's fucking terrifying. It's the best scene in the movie. And so trust me, these things scare me. Trust me. The fucking demon in Annabelle hell in the first Annabelle scared me. Right. So I get scared in movies, but this thing was just, it was too big and too stupid to scare me. So they set all this up by, uh, they describe, I guess, when the plague people would uh, be buried because they were thought they were dead. Yeah, kind of so, similar to the explanation in Autopsy of Jane Doe with the little bell. Right, exactly. So there was a string he can pull on there to ring the bell in order to uh, show, hey, I'm not dead. So eventually uh, the Farmiga uh, sister is able to... You know, uh, okay, I'm glad we're in spoiler territory. What's the word I'm looking for? Shovel them up. Yes. Unbury them. But I was kind of frustrated by that because I felt like there were no rules at, at points. Now, I'm not a rule guy, but it just didn't make sense because at one point he's pulling on the, the string to ring the bell and it's not ringing. Do you remember I did, that? I didn't know that. And then there's, and then, but she hears the ringing like it's ringing. And then it's like, oh, the force is stopping it from ringing. He's pulling and it's not, it's not pulling on it. Mm. I, there's a point where he's, he's pulling it and there's no sound. Okay. I think it's to now. build the scare, but like, okay, if the entity can stop him from ringing the bell, how come it rings sometimes and she's able to find him? Like, I just felt like some of this felt ruleless. And again, I'm not a rules guy, but I feel like they perfectly explain it in the Annabelle creation and in Conjuring films. The reason it doesn't just take them over immediately is it has to scare them into this frenzy to take them over. Right. And that's why it builds. It's a perfect explanation to explain why the tension builds throughout the film. Uh, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it explodes because it's trying to take you over. It's trying to wear you down. This never had that. This never explained, you know, it's just like, I feel like Valak or the nun could have just killed them in any moment, but it just wasn't because the movie didn't want her to yet. Right. And exactly. it just, it just kind of felt like a movie for movie's sake at times. I don't know. So eventually they explain the, the Vermeer, the Vermeer, the Vermiga, Farmiga sister. Yes. I'm trying to get Vera and Farmiga the same word there. Uh, the Farmiga sister, the reason she's there, the reason the fucking, you know, Vatican has picked her to go with the fucking priest is because she has visions. And you learn that all the fucking nuns who are in the cathedral are already fucking dead. And they also explain why Valak is a fucking nun. So she can hide out amongst the other nuns unsuspectingly until she can finally kill them. So they learn the story about this guy. He's trying to raise this evil entity. Uh, uh, the knights storm the castle to stop him. And to fill the hole where this evil entity is literally coming up from hell, they use the blood of Jesus Christ to seal it. And da, uh, I love how you're shaking your head right now. Because the most cringeworthy part of this whole film, da, it's like, this is bad. 
Like, this is some fucking Z-grade shit. I'm ready. I'm assuming you know what I'm going to say. So they learn that the remaining vial of Jesus Christ's blood is in the cathedral. They go to find it. They need it so they can cover up the hole again. The the priest is holding it, and he says, the blood of Jesus Christ. And Frenchie, the man who uh, finds the body initially, and he's now like their um, companion. He's like showing them around because they don't know how to like. Their guide. Their guide. Perfect. He goes, holy shit. And the priest goes, the holiest. And that was just, duh. If yeah. I was tired, that's when I would have clocked out. Yeah, so. That's when I would have been like, fuck this goddamn movie. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because it's moments like that where I was like, is this supposed to be fun? Because- Maybe they were aiming for some levity. Yeah. But it was just cringeworthy to me. I don't know. I'm frustrated by it because, you know, I did think it was okay. And I don't want to shit on it. But. Yeah, man. I was like, what the fuck are we doing? And they find they find like the the, the vial for the, the blood of Jesus Christ, which I don't mind that, you know That feels a little too big for me. But but when they find it, they like punch a hole in the wall and it or and it's like it literally is national treasure. I'm not kidding. Like that's I'm with you. That's Indiana Jones or National Treasure. And that's cool in those films, but it just made it just felt too big and too stupid. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like all you have to do, like James Wan scared us with Valak in a fucking room with one painting and darkness. Right. That's it. And this film didn't scare me for a second. So let's get to the goddamn conclusion. Well, I won't, let me let me talk film. let me talk the scare that I did like, and it's not really okay. a scare. Um, Tysa finally does. I can't just call her Tysa. I don't remember her name in the thing. Sister something. Just go for me. Um, she is in the basement, and she's about to finally go to the door. And it, like it like opens and Valak like chases her through the basement and she's just like running and screaming. Um, those things fuck me up because it's like, oh shit, like this is a dangerous moment because like that character's scared. She sold it for me is what I'm trying to get at. And like that was the one moment of terror where I was like, whoa, like because I was scared for her to get fucked up by Valak. Like I'm saying, right. what I'm saying is that part worked on me, and that's the last time and the only time. You know, there were cool stuff before we get to the conclusion. There was cool stuff like the fucking nun getting decapitated with the fucking head, head falling down. Like her eyes had been gouged out by the birds. Right, the and crows. Shit. You know, there's the cemetery sequence where there's the fucking nun, uh, the zombie nun, I think, with the sheet over her head. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking crawling towards him and it falls out of the trees. Like there's cool shit in the movie. Right. But I mean, I hate to say it again, but it's too big and too stupid. And that is perfectly encapsulated by the ending we're about to talk about. Yes. Okay. So please go ahead. Okay. So the one moment I liked the most, which ended up letting me down, uh, the Farmiga sister gets possessed by Valak. Yeah. And uh, she goes and she attacks Frenchie and she pulls uh, Frenchie's gun on him. And I was like, fucking do it. I didn't realize that that's supposed to be the same motherfucker at the start of The Conjuring 2. And I guess they manipulated that scene. So at the beginning of Conjuring 2... Um, no, that's in The Conjuring. Oh, that's the first Conjuring? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the beginning of the first Conjuring, they're giving a talk. The Warrens are. Yep. Because uh, what's talk- her name? Lily Taylor is in the audience? She's. I think it's Lily Taylor. And they're is discuss- that her name? I don't know. And Fuck. Well, the, the, the mom in the first Conjuring film. And they're discussing an exorcism that they performed. And it ends up being... This Frenchy character from yeah. the nun. So I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't. And I guess they like altered that opening for it for Patrick Wilson's character to say Frenchy. Like he doesn't say Frenchy in the first conjuring. That's cool. But they altered that scene to, you know, connect the film in yeah. that way. 
which I'm okay with. That's fine. Yeah, I'm not, you know, it doesn't feel like a sin to me. Um, like I felt like Annabelle creation had that book ending where it connects to the first Annabelle. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. But that movie is just so good. Who even cares need that. how it's connected? And I was hoping this film would be so good. Who cares how it connected? Uh, wasn't at all. So right. right go. Uh, Valet possesses the Farmiga takes Frenchie's gun and she puts it underneath his chin. And I was like, fucking do it. Yeah. Fucking blow this motherfucker away. But then, so she's possessed and she's wearing the vial of Jesus's blood, but that has no effect on her. So Frenchie takes the blood, smears it on Farmiga's face, thus unpossessing her. Mm-hmm. Right? So now the Farmiga sister and Valak are literally in a fist fight. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. They're literally fighting and Valak is choking the Farmiga underneath the water. <laughs> the Farmiga. Just Killing choking me. her. Right. You know, they're literally, they're going body blows at this point, right? Yeah. It's borderline Freddy versus Jason at this point. It, they're, they're literally bouncing off the, they're not. WWE. Uh, they're hitting each other with chairs. The Farmiga <laughs> takes the blood in her mouth, spits it at Valak, and that's enough to, uh, Stop the demon? Because it's the blood of Jesus Christ? Correct. So there's this big scene where all of a sudden they're fighting above this like fucking sewage drain. And everything starts getting sucked down, including Valak. And that's the nun. In horrible, way too much CGI. And I don't want to shit on this film, but I will shit on that they... I mean, look... All these films are going to include CGI, right? They're going, they're going to, they're going to take wires out. They're going to have some CGI augmentation. They're going to, it CGI is in every movie now, right? Sure. But this was, I was, I literally sat back in my chair and I, I sort of scoffed at the, at the screen, going, "What the fuck?" Like this is, I feel like James Wan has brought us like this horror renaissance of films uh, that started from his film, throwing back to the seventies, right? And you use this much CGI at the sure. end of the nun. I mean, literally, it's like this portal to hell, and it's fucking uh, all the like the the soul of Valak is being sucked back into the portal, mm-hmm. and then it sh- the the ground shuts on it, and all the CGI disappears. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing right now? So that was one of them. That that was probably the dumbest shit in the whole movie. The ending blew my fucking mind. That's funny. I feel like we just shit on the nun, and I get, but we're both like, it's okay. I think that's that's where I'm standing. Yeah, it's the, okay. I like it. The problem is, you know, expectations in its previous films. Like, you know, this is way better than shit like Wish Upon or Winchester. Like, this is a good sure. horror movie. I stayed awake, <clears throat> and I almost feel like if I thought of it as like this is going to be fun, like the next time I see it, knowing what it is, maybe I'll like it a lot more. Will you watch it again? I'll probably see it at least one more time. Okay. But yeah, it just blew my mind. I mean, this film literally blew my mind. Like, you know, starting in confusion. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't get it. You know, I mean, the best way to put, I hate to say it again, felt like national treasure mixed with fucking, I don't know, nunsploitation. I wish. Uh, That'd be nice if we could have seen some nuns. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it, you know, it's, it's oddly like, we're about to end the nun, but it's oddly trying to like explain that Tysa Farmiga has visions for some reason. And then there's no reason like, it's like, Oh, maybe she's Lorraine Warren. Hello. Hi, may I please speak with Keegan? This is him. Hi, my name is Ashley. I'm from loose research, a public opinion polling firm. I'm keeping this in the podcast. A short survey about some issues people have been talking about lately. 
uh, we're not selling anything or asking for donations or anything like that. Um, it'll only take a few minutes, and all responses will be anonymous and used uh, only for research purposes. Do you have a moment? Uh, I'm currently recording a podcast called the Ghoul Squad Podcast right now, so no thank you. Okay, thank you. Anyways, <laughs> uh, that was fun, even though I can't fucking speak. Um, yeah, I just feel like it was, it was, oh, they're trying to explain. I like how she accepted your answer. Yeah. I, I feel like they're trying to like position her as like something to do with Vera Farmiga's character. And I was saying like, she doesn't even have blue eyes. So why did we, cause I'm sure you thought the same thing. Like, is I this going to be related? Brian Warren? Yeah. That's a great point related. And it's like, no, it's just nothing. And it's like, why did she have visions? Like it felt like they were building this up to be something and it's not, and maybe it's for a sequel. Hell, maybe it's for a sequel. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I was just kind of over it by the end, man. Like we walked out and we we're just standing out in front of our theater and I was I looked at you guys like so confused. Like, what? That was the nun? Like I could have used more satanic imagery as well. For sure. So uh kitchen sink, the nun. Yeah. It's just I I just think it's okay. Yeah. I do too. I, I didn't I feel like Are you ready for this? I'm gonna buy it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um I own all the other ones. I feel like uh it got super shit on. Uh, critically, at least. Yeah, I don't think it's shit, and, no. And, and I don't think it deserves all of that, but uh, just eh. I think it, I will say this. I feel like, even though I've, I've talked a lot about that film, it elevates Annabelle Creation even more now having seen this sure. um, because of how good that movie is. Sure. Let me read my notes real quick, and then Go we'll ahead. hit The Predator. Uh, the Nun, liked it, didn't love it. Kitchen Sink, never felt immersive like other films with wide-angle lenses and one-shots mostly. That was another thing. There was a lot of editing. Like the scares, they never let you sit in the scare. It was like edit, 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 right. edit, edit, jump, edit, jump. edit, edit, bah! And it's like, that is not the conjuring or th- that is, that is not how we scare people in this universe, Corn Hardy. Uh, I thought you think that was funny. So, uh, yeah, a lot of editing, like the crazy Romanian fog in the cemetery, like the insane nun zombie too big, too much going on. Never felt like I sold in the film and uh CGI craziness at the end. So there you go. The nun. I did like it. Yeah. Uh, I just, was really severely disappointed by it. So, The Nun. All right. Let's get on to uh, the next film. And what is we the next film, Eric? We are talking about Shane Black's The Predator. Yes. So, just like we did with the first film, let's talk our expectations going into The Predator. Eric, you go first. I've always liked Predator. Yes. Uh, Eric is a huge Predator fan. Uh, I almost feel like I was a Predator toy first fan than the films. Um, Eric collects toys. I do collect toys. Uh, I don't know if you can see from where you're sitting, but I, I can. I did get the new Ultimate Fugitive NECA Predator. Gorgeous. E-Dog loves Schwarzenegger, you know, so I love that yeah. first film. Um, Let me ask you this. Let's do this. Jumpstart the conversation. Okay. Are you a Predator guy or an alien guy? Oh, Predator 100%. Now you ask me. And I, I, I'm i guessing you're an alien guy. Yeah, I'm an alien guy. That's right. Okay, that's fair. Um, So... I guess, and you know, I saw Predators in theater. Yes. And you know, Nimrod Antal? Correct. Okay. That was eight years ago. And so I was definitely excited by the notion of seeing another Predator in theater. Yes. But let me tell you what I was even more excited about Shane fucking Black and Fred Decker co wrote this film. Yes. Okay. So if you don't know who Fred Decker is, Fred Decker. Wrote and directed Night of the Creeps, Monster Squad, and for sure directed RoboCop 3. Now, he's fucking three for three with E-Dog. 
Shane, Everybody's favorite RoboCop film. <laughs> That's not true in any <laughs> sense. And then Shane Black, of course, directed uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3. Nice Guys. I fucking love the Nice Guys so much. And he also wrote Lethal Weapon. So, like, there's a lot of He also ta- was in the original Predator. That's correct. He plays Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of talent that I love that was behind the creative forces of this film. So, like, I was fucking sold. Yes. Right? E-Dog loves monsters. Who doesn't? And then people started tweeting that it was gory and violent. So, like, I was fucking through the roof <laughs> about Predator. Yes. Okay. So, you, how, how, how did you feel about going into the Predator? Yes. So, going into the Predator, um, I like the Predator. The Pred- the original Predator Schwarzenegger film Predator. with Schwarzenegger was one of the first films I saw as a kid that was, like, about a monster. Sure. Um, I think it was on, like, TNT or something or USA. And I caught it and I was enamored with it. I thought, holy fuck, there's this, there's this creature that can disappear and you have to put mud all over your body to hide from it. Um, I loved the predator when I was a kid. Now that was the height of the predator love for me. Okay. Cause I, I As never, a child. I, yeah, exactly. I never really cared about it since now. I like the films I've seen, Pred- I've seen them all I've seen predator too. Um, I saw, uh, predators, and uh, I was super hyped for that film, and I was kind of let down by it. I kind of didn't care really? about it. Yeah. I thought oh, it was man. fine. I thought it was fine. I did not not like it. I really like Predators. I feel like it didn't leave an impression on me. And then, um, you know, also Alien vs. Predator, because I'm a big Alien fan. Um, Alien vs. Predator is fun, you know, but it's shit because it's um, Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm-hmm. But it's still fun and has a really cool Predator character in it. Like, straight up, that Predator's dope because he, like, uh, joins forces with the human at the end and like helps Correct. defeat the aliens and shit. Um, so that shit's cool. Uh, Alien versus Predator Re- Requiem is one of the worst movies ever made. Um, so let's get that out of the way. And so you know I like the Predator, but like the Predator ver- you've got no cinema history with it, is that right? Fair? Yeah, it's not really my thing. I mean, I've seen them. I saw Predator in theater. I was excited about it. Um, you know, but Alien and Aliens are like cinema gods to me and i don't by comparison i don't give a shit about predator wow um, now again that's by comparison i like predator i do but i i should say like you know it's not the two friends it's not near the same as like ridley scott's alien or you know james cameron aliens i think that's wild that so few predators have been made for sure i you think know, that's, that's crazy the too. fourth solo predator film for sure yeah. if we're counting avp and what do we add on alien a lot right yeah, no, that that blows my mind. I've thought about that a lot. Like, there's got to be more Predator films, right? Nope. There's like four. Actually, yeah. Predator, Predator 2. Predators and the Predator. Yep, four. All right, so let's get into what we thought. What did we think about the Predator? I, I want you to go first. Let me let me tell you ahead of time. I like the Predator. I like it too. So, so but I want you to, because you're pumped up, and yes. I want to hear you pumped up. Tell me about the Predator. Okay, so... I went to the Predator at 7.15 showing on Thursday night. Okay. And uh, we're sitting in there, and it's fucking hot as hell. There's kids talking. You know, it's Carlsbad M.O. As always. You know, um, but, you know, the screen is on and the lights are off. It's it's rated R, and there's fucking kids talking. My favorite thing in this town. Yes, exactly. And so we're watching it, right? And E-Dog is fist pumping. I kid you not. Okay, not like high in the air. But there's like gore popping off. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck. Yes. This is what E-Dog wants. Right? Yes. And like, and I love how like they kind of take like the idea of 
like predators the predator is like a science fiction he's a monster but i also feel like he's a he fits in the genre of sci-fi for sure because he's I, an alien yeah, yeah. right and i love how they kind of like took that and they're like you know let's what? do it well we're gonna get a sci-fi with this motherfucker as we can yes and uh i saw an interview with shane black where he was saying like okay so they, they're like a tribal species but they've conquered fucking space like they're scientists you know they've they have fucking spaceships that can transport them from galaxy to galaxy. They're smart, right? yeah. Right, exactly. So I was super pumped that they kind of embraced uh, that. Um, I felt like upon the film's first viewing, I could feel the rockiness of like, sure, okay, they kind of reshot this. Maybe this wasn't originally how they planned it. Mm-hmm. This this ending feels tacked on. Um, I wasn't underwhelmed. That's not the word I want. But I was definitely like, that's not where I thought that film was going. Sure. Okay. So I went a second time. And now that I knew what it was going to do, now that I knew it had its own set of rules, what was going to happen, I was like, yes, this is tight. E-Dog's into it. I liked it a lot. I uh that's that's great because I feel like if I saw it a second time, I would I definitely like it more because I feel like Going into it, I was super pumped. And then the gore starts happening. And I was like, fuck, I can't. Like, this is dope. I, right. Fuck yes. And then, I don't know. Uh, so, I don't, you know, don't freak out. I like the movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, my biggest thing was, like, at a certain point, I feel like when the degenerates come in, like. I, the loonies. The loonies, thank you. Um, I don't know. Their dialogue didn't work for me. I really? Feel, yeah. And, and the thing is, I like Shane Black dialogue. Correct. I love the nice guys. Mm-hmm. But there was something, there was some kind of disconnect, right? It just didn't work. I don't know. It didn't work for me at all. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the stuff they said was funny. There's one joke that I actually don't want to repeat because it, it uses the um, R word. How about that? Uh, but it killed me. I laughed okay. my ass off. Uh, I'll leave it at that. So I, I will say I also had trouble following some of the characters like relationships. Yeah. Thomas Jane and Keegan Michael Key's character. Are they supposed to be gay? I I don't think so, but I, I mean I don't know because I feel like you've you've already mentioned it, but at a certain point in the film it starts to sort of like lose itself in the movie. Like there's a there's a part in the film where like uh I think I can say this. How about this? It's not spoilery. Okay. Somebody pulls up in a bus to pick them up. Right. And I'm like, what? I leaned over to Melissa the second time and I was like, where did the RV come from? Yes. And they're at... Uh, yes, the RV, yes. They're at McKenna, the main guy's house. Now, we're she, not in spoiler territory yet, but yes. Right. And she's like, is that just not his RV? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. They don't say. I was like, what? I think what the film is ultimately heading towards is... Okay, so the Predator finally starts hunting the humans. Yes. But that feels so minimal compared to the other ideas that the film is presenting. Yeah. That it's like, why are you, did you take so much time to give us that yeah. as the climax? I do like it, but it just kind of felt like it was a whole bunch of buildup to like, eh. Kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is kind of why I was saying I feel like The Nun and The Predator are kind of similar to me. I felt like at times, and in, 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 look, we've done a lot of episodes of this podcast. I've never used this phrase before, but these two films, I thought this immediately. Both of these films felt like kitchen sink films. Like, here's okay. fucking everything. And it works at parts for this film because it is supposed to be a blast. And it is fucking gore. And people are getting their fucking heads blown off and, and, and slashed off and shit. Right. And all that, that stuff sense. is awesome. And I felt like it started really well and you know i liked olivia munn's character i thought she was cool i feel like she's 
I don't, I don't know. I feel like she doesn't say anything in the whole movie, but I just felt like some of the comedy like didn't work for me. Like really? there's this part in the film where I don't think it's a spoiler to say like one of the loonies like says something about her private parts. How about that? Right. And uh, she's like, what did you say? And it goes on forever. And I, yeah. I didn't think that was funny at all. And it's not because it's offensive. It, I don't care that it's offensive. I like offensive right. things, but I was like, the editing in that scene, there's a lot of weird fucking editing in the comedy and dialogue where it just doesn't flow. And I didn't find any of it funny. I found like two of the things funny. Really? Just that? Well, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It just didn't, the comedy but with the loonies didn't work for me. I felt like I was waiting to laugh because I'm like, oh, they're being offensive. They're being offensive. I'm like, yes, okay, here we go. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're, they're you know, I don't know. The jokes didn't work for me. Um, So the crowd, the audience I saw it with the second time was much better. And I felt like they were really into the humor. And I did think it was funny. Like, I thought there was genuinely uh, laugh out loud uh, moments. Yeah. And so I really enjoyed uh, seeing it with other people who were, like, laughing along uh, with what I thought was funny uh, as well. I guess the the humor landed for me uh, I, I laughed more. out loud at a couple offensive jokes. And I, I felt like the audience hated me because I saw it with like old people at two o'clock in the middle of the day uh -huh. and they didn't think any of it was funny. Um, but and like, I really, really like Thomas Jane. Yeah. I really like uh, Keegan-Michael Key, Trevante mm -hmm. Rhodes. I didn't realize that was the dude from uh, Moonlight. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Can't believe we've both seen Moonlight. How weird is that? Well, Moonlight's really good. Yeah, it is. But but it's a, I'm just surprised both of us have seen it. Um, so there's a part where Olivia Munn um, she's brought in. They uh, a predator has been captured. Yeah. Uh, she sees it, and now that she's seen it, things have gone awry. Uh, they want to kill her, and so she ends up with the loonies. But she uh passes out. She shoots herself with a tranquilizer dart, and when she wakes up, she sees the loonies in yeah. front of her. Right. So there's this bit where... That was one of the funniest things. I think what, yeah. I laughed out loud at this. Yeah. So she goes for a gun that they purposely planted for her to be able to grab. And they've taken a bet, will she grab it? And then so McKenna, uh, Boyd Holbrook's character... Should we spoil this whole scene? Uh, is this too much? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, well, there, there was a lot of funny stuff. Sure. That I, I felt like the humor landed for me. The gore... Obviously, yeah. was a huge plus. Um, one thing that really bothered me was like the good predator, uh, you know, looked like a dude in a suit. Why was the bad predator CGI? I, I you know, I got I frustrated didn't get that by that at all. And His I, face is clearly CGI. So I don't want you to get mad at me, but my my big statement on the end of the film, which I feel like, you know, you're probably gonna be mad at me, but like, it honestly felt like like a Mortal Kombat video game at the end when the big predator is fighting the small predator, like because he's CGI and I felt like he didn't look that good at times. Like it felt like literally a mortal combat. Like when he was just and, like walking, that was fine. But like when they would show his face, it was yeah. like, Argh. yeah. Yeah. Maybe we, maybe we should get spoilers on, on but, predator. Cause I feel like we're there. there. Yeah. So I really like it. And I, and, I, and I liked it. I, I had a blast. I thought it was awesome. It was bloody. They were saying fuck a lot. I was excited by all these things. It just didn't all come together for me. Um, let me read my notes and we'll get to the spoilers. Okay. Uh, insanity at times. A blast. Bloody as hell. Uh, great old school bombastic movie score. I forgot about the score. Uh, 
the score is fucking fun. I don't know who did it, but it's like, um, it's like an eighties action film score, like kind of horns and like, uh, it's awesome. Mixed with the score from the original. Oh, okay. For sure. For sure. And I love I, that those two were intertwined. And I feel like they did a perfect melding of that. It felt like an eighties score with like, uh, it's awesome. It's a perfect action movie score. I really like the score, uh, kind of disorienting, disorienting editing and dialogue. Sometimes like I was just disoriented in the scenes. Like this isn't even like the big reshoots. This is like editing within the comedy. Like I was like, I literally was like, um, sort of squinting my eyes going, what, 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 what? And I feel like, you know, it's like, Oh, well that's Shane Black's comedy. No, I've seen nice guys and it's, he didn't cohesive. It's cohesive. I felt like at times some of the dialogue that was supposed to be funny was cut together. So disorienting that I never, I don't know. I was disoriented by the, by the editing and the dialogue, um, oddly cut together kitchen sink ending. Um, Definitely. couple jokes killed me, but often missed it for me, which I've already explained. And it felt like mortal combat at times. Uh, so there you go. Uh, fuck it. Spoilers. Let's get to predator spoilers. So, uh, if you haven't seen spoil, if you haven't seen the Predator, let's say here. Uh, maybe you don't have to listen to the rest. Uh, you don't have to go. We're not going to tell you where to skip. Thank you so much for listening, and we're going to talk Predator spoilers. Yes. Uh, our next episode is going to be Scream. Uh, the entire Scream franchise ranked. I feel like we didn't explain that well at the beginning. Uh, that's going to be our next episode for October, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. If you have not seen the Predator, but if you have, stick with us because the Predator spoilers start now. Don't listen if you haven't seen the Predator, Eric. Predator spoilers. Okay, fantastic. So when the film starts, you see a predator is chasing another predator. Yes. But we don't know why. And what we eventually learn is the there's a good predator, there's a bad predator. The good predator wants to give humanity something in order to help it thrive. Now, is that not the fucking... Okay, except for the thrive part, is that not fucking Night of the Creeps? Yeah. Night of the Creeps opens with one alien getting chased by another alien trying yep. to get something off ship. Yep. And I was just like, fuck yeah. It's Night of the Creeps, but big. It's fucking Night of the it's fucking Night of the Predator. But Night of the Creeps has thrill me. And, you know, the bad news is you're <laughs> they're dead. You know, I feel like I don't know, this film just never felt like big t- it was fun, but I was just I don't know. Duh, Sterling K. Brown. So I was gonna talk He's to you. He's my that. dude. So So I really like Sterling K. Brown, but he didn't I didn't understand what the fuck he was doing in the movie. Like, okay, so Sterling K. Brown, he heads... Okay, so that's supposed to be Area 52. Yeah. He heads a laboratory that, I guess, exclusively researches uh, predators. And there's a part where he brings up both uh, the original Predator as well as Predator 2. He says they've uh, they've been here twice before, once in 87 and once in 97. And I think they even show like that spear from Alien versus Predator. Which is funny because I guess now Alien vs. Predator is canon. Which in the is, Predator is kind of stupid. And I read that like Fox that was that was reshot right before the film was finished, so that they they oh, added that. Oh, really? And it's like why? Like why would they even fucking add that? But I think oh, I'm glad you said that because I thought that was like Shane Black's decision. I was like, ah, eh, why'd you go with that? Well, no. And I think the references to the previous two films that's part of that reshoot because that's all in that scene, isn't it? No. Uh, whenever. Um, Olivia Munn's character gets picked up to go to Area 52. That's whenever he's describing. I'm pretty sure that part's resho- that's part of the reshoots. Because what I read was they wanted to add stuff referencing the previous films. That's oh. what I that's what I read. Um, well, I'm super okay with it. Then yeah, what I liked it. But then what I'm not okay with is then why do they ignore predators? Is it because it takes place on a whole other planet? Maybe they don't know that it's happened. E-Dog is just super pro predators. Yeah. I think I I almost want to say I, predators is my favorite 
in the franchise. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the predator that's being chased crash lands in Mexico where we meet Boyd Holbrook's character, McKenna. Uh, he has an altercation with uh, the predator, is able to steal some of its gear and sends it home. And that is when Sterling K. Brown's character uh, shows up. He's the head of uh, this lab that researches predators, uh, wants all of the recently crashed predator equipment. And the moment we see Sterling K. Brown, he's he's at a hundred. And I that's and I love him. Yeah, I, I love him. He I, has lines of dialogue I can't repeat, but it's so good. Like there were parts where I just didn't get him. Like I'm not saying I'm against it. I just didn't understand. And he's like, "Oh fuck him! Let's just shoot him!" Like it's like that even sounds better than what he says. I don't know. I didn't. His his character was so comically bad or so comically really? maniacal. He literally was. Oh man, I was into him. He's like a mustache twist twirling. No. Yes, he is. Like uh, we'll fucking shoot the kid in the head. Right. Why yeah. do you? T- I don't know. Um. I didn't not like it. I was just confused by it. Maybe going into the second viewing, knowing what his character's like, I'll right. like it more. But yeah. Okay. So, um, eventually, uh, the predator that's been captured, he wants his shit back, right? But the equipment has been sent to McKenna's son, who this is kind of weird because he has Asperger's. Yep. He can figure out how to work he the knows how to use equipment. alien technology you figured it out correctly yep right so it's halloween night yeah and the halloween sequence wasn't as fun as i, I feel like we need just more of that be. right more of more of the 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 suburbia suburbia more of i hope that was fred decker as well yeah i i wonder if the original ending of the film took place in a more suburban area and it changed to that when they when they decided to make it take place at night I also feel like that's Shane Black and Fred Decker, though. Like, they wrote a kid for, sure. for a Predator film. And, like, I'm into that. Yeah. Like, if he would have been riding a bike, could have been better. Yeah. You know? Um, and so he goes out with the Predator equipment and, you know, and accidentally uses it, blows up a house, kills a dude. Yes. Um, super into all of that. McKenna figures I out. I laughed out loud when he accidentally killed somebody. Right. With <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So McKenna finds out where the predator's going. They go to rescue the son. A bad predator is coming to uh, kill the good predator. They get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. That's the predator. Don't forget to talk about uh, your. You were talking about when Olivia Munn wakes up on the bed with the gun. Go ahead. Oh, uh, okay. So uh, we're talking about uh, where humor landed for me. Yeah, and I guess you liked this scene as well. I did. Yeah, I was laughing when she woke up because they like put like chocolates and like little snacks out for her. Right. They, and they're, they're like, what are you doing? They're trying to make her comfortable. He goes, I'm trying to make her comfortable. She's going to wake up to all of us. And I'm, I'm trying to make sure she, she, she knows we're like friendly basically. Right. And, and I, and I look at all the shit and it's like, <laughs> it's, they put like a coffee. They're, one of them's like an aluminum foil, like animal he yeah, tried to make. And, and he's like, it's too close. She's waking up, but one of the guys runs over and moves the coffee away. And then he goes like, like puts his hand out and he's like, okay, it's good. And then she wakes up. That shit killed me. That is good. Uh, this entire sequence Like, is they're fun. setting up for her to wake up to them. I, I just thought it was funny. So she wakes up and she sees a group of crazy dudes. Yeah. Right? Uh, and this is after the uh, Predator has escaped. And I was super into that sequence. How yeah. about you? Like, whenever he's, like, running. Oh, that was fucking dope. Yeah. That was so tight. And he's, like, jumping and he's, like, diving off, like, the buildings. And yep. he's just, like, 
fucking everybody up that he and olivia uh, munn's like running after him but it's like super dynamic because he's like on top of that fucking like railing uh, rail it's it's dope yeah yeah uh super into that like just the way the predator looks just like running yeah um at full he looks speed great he looks fantastic yeah um they're they've taken over a bus um that they were being transported on yeah um and then a part that super killed me is they there's motorcycles and Trevante Rhodes yells, get to the choppers. Yeah. Which is a variation of Schwarzenegger's get to the chopper. I don't know why. It, it, it didn't land for me. I go, uh, okay. Uh, also, there's a okay. scene whenever uh, she first sees the Predator and she calls him a beautiful motherfucker. Yes. Instead of an I like motherfucker. That. I like so, that. So I'm into the you know the variations they played of the, the classic. What did you think of Olivia lines? Munn in the film? Uh, she was cool. She was fine. Yeah, she's fine. Uh, I enjoyed her. Uh, so back to this scene. Sure. I'm dragging this out way too long, Doc. I think we just need to wrap this Predator review up. Go E-dog, ahead. E-Dog liked it a lot. Okay. No, go ahead. Okay, so she wakes up. She sees a bunch of fucking crazy assholes standing in front of her. They've planted a gun specifically for her to grab. McKenna tries to take it. You've learned that they've all placed a bet whether she would grab the gun or not. So they're all like laughing at each other like, oh, shit, you know, that's $10. She grabbed the fucking gun. And then she pulls the trigger. Like, and the gun's not loaded, so nothing happens. But they all start laughing at that, that they should have bet would she have pulled the trigger Yes, or not. I liked that. Um, That's funny. Into that, I mean, I mean, what else do I say? I well, like how they show the predators eating fucking people. We've never seen yeah, that Yeah, that was before. crazy. There's oh, the dogs. Of, oh, that didn't land for me. I thought it was okay. Uh, so the predator has dogs, you know, hunting dogs. I but one like- of them gets lobotomized. And that just didn't make any sense to me because this dog is no longer aggressive. But he keeps uh, showing up around the loonies. And they keep just, like, getting it off screen as quick but as they can. But he's still, like, but he's still, like, fucked up. Like, I was I almost felt bad for it. And I feel like that's part of, like, Shane Black's thing in this movie is, like, everybody's broken. Everybody's twisted to a point, And, like, everything's a little off uh, center. Like everything, let's lobotomize this dog, and then make make it like walk around like it's like a puppy. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to yeah, and and I feel like a, there's a lot of that in this there, movie. There's literally a part where it's just like walking down the street, like confused. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on there, to be yeah. honest. Um, so there's there's two predator dogs, and there's this great bit wherever uh, they're they're at a baseball field. I thought their design was cool. Have they got dreads? I gotta yeah. say, I thought the predators' dogs were cooler. Um. And uh, he's, like, hiding underneath the bleachers, and this dog is trying to bite him, and he's got this, like, big grenade launcher. And so he shoots a grenade into the dog's mouth. The dog jumps. The dog explodes. Yes. Hits the ground, and then he just gets behind it and starts using it as cover. That's fucking tight. Yeah. There was cool shit like that. Like, that's fucking tight. Hands down, though, I think the part that, like, defined E-Dog, the part that I was like, okay, this is what Eric wants. This you delivered the film that E Dog needed. Okay. Okay. Like this is gonna be in my top. Oh, for sure. Of two twenty eighteen. All right. This is the scene. You ready for this? This and this is a scene that's played for laughs. It's a gag, two second scene that I was like, Thank you for putting that in. You thought of me, Shane Black. You thought, where does that fucking weirdo kid in Carlsbad, New Mexico want? Okay, this is what he wants. Let's write this in, let's shoot this. The good predator is escaping. Right, he's like fucking everybody up, and I guess that's because he's been sedated. His shit's been stolen from him. Yeah, he's freaking out. He wants his shit back. Why is he being held captive? Right. 
there is. I, I like that he saw uh, Olivia Munn. She's naked, so she doesn't have any weapons. Right. And and I like that they went with they kept with that, which was she's not a threat, so he just left. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that, that fits with predator mythology. That's all. No, I love that. Like yeah. that. Every time that happens, I'm like, oh fuck yeah! Like they're not bad. Right. They're that, just kill threats. That fits the predator lore. I love that. Um, he's escaping. There's a group of soldiers uh, in a truck. Maybe it's like a, a Humvee. I'm not sure. He gets into the back of it, kills all the dudes in the back, dismembers them. Yes. The guy driving's like, everything okay back there? The predator grabs a dismembered arm with the hand giving the thumbs up, shoves it up front so the guy driving can see the thumbs up. Yeah. And he says something like, oh, this fucking guy. Terrific. Yeah. I like that. That, that, I like is, that. that is E-Dog shit right there. Violence with bodily humor. What else does E-Dog want? What else does E-Dog need? Nothing. Well, there's no nudity in the film. Yeah, but I was getting a violent monster film. Yes, for sure. I guess that takes place of... I mean, that motherfucker gets his legs cut off and then thrown off the Predator ship like he's a piece of trash. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy <laughs> fuck. Like, this is what <laughs> E-Dog wants. E-Dog uh, needs. I love it, dog. I love it. So, it's funny because the things that I liked... Uh, the most that blew my mind were like that dude gets his fucking a lower half a character we've spent the whole film with yeah he gets cut in half by the fucking force Shield. field of the ship correct and he just slides off like nothing <laughs> we just never fucking see him again yeah that shit I like that um, I figured out the word to explain and it's not just that it was like offensive jokes I don't care about that I like offensive jokes I just felt like the whole film had like a whole off color uh, tone and some of that is like they lobot like we were talking about like the dog like they lobotomize the dog and it's like oh he's friendly no he's like kind of fucked up yeah and like they spend the whole film with like a fucked up dog that's one aspect of the movie but i just felt like that kept coming back up like you know there's there's the off color thing where like i don't even want to say what he says uh thomas jane says uh something about olivia munn's eat your pussy Yes, thank he you. He has Tourette syndrome, so he's just like yelling out vulgarity. And and again, it's not that it's vulgar. It's just like Olivia Munn's like, what? And did you did you say this? And he's like, no, I he said, said this. You're and pushy. She's like, no, you you said this. And it's like, it goes on forever. I'm like, oh, just fucking kill me. It's just, just offensive to be offensive. I never really love. I like when shit flows together. I didn't feel like that flowed at all. It's like, oh, okay. Right. We're just saying offensive shit just to be offensive. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it just... I felt like there was a lot of weird editing choices and I feel like the movie came to a head for me was when they're like in the barn and then like, it's like right before the whole ending. Uh, yeah. I'm that's like, a little, I'm like, what is going on? Right? What is happening? Sterling K Brown's men finally catches up with them. They hold them captive. Yep. They have to escape from them again. But it, that's, that feels like all the reshoot shoot stuff. Like it just makes that's no sense. Ho hokey. Yeah. And then um, I was really excited to find out what the main predator was hiding in his ship. Right. And I was underwhelmed by it. Maybe oh, it's because I'm not a predator lore guy. I mean, that thing's just made up. I mean, that's never made it. That's what I thought. I'm like, are they harboring a xenomorph? That'd be fun. Like, it's Fox. Fuck it. I mean, I was hoping for Schwarzenegger to be in that thing. Perfect. That's that great. Been the most amazing. Hell, thing uh, the uh, what's his name? Uh, Adrian Brody? Yes. Thank you. Oh, God. Dude, I would have. I would have lost my mind. That's what I'm saying. Like, more shit that so been cool. if it was Adrian Brody than Schwarzenegger, simply because like Schwarzenegger would have been a, the obvious choice. Yeah. 
So the idea that you fucking are going to put Royce from Predators in there, I'd be like, what the fuck? But here's why that would have worked because they show this thing they find and it's like, oh, that'll be my new suit. And it's like, okay. And the movie's over. So even if it was Adrian Brody, who nobody knows from that other film, everyone would have had the same reaction. Okay. Yes. Okay. Let me, you dog's going to backtrack a little. So they, so that's what the predator wants to give humanity. But like, I didn't understand like why, because more predators are coming. Like, why does one predator want to help humans by giving them a suit that's going to help them fight off other predators? Right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm I'm smiling and laughing because yes, and and I don't I don't want to, but I'm smiling and laughing because I'm thinking about what you said. I think your perfect representation of like stuff that we we love is <laughs> that that guy being cut in half by the force field of the ship and discarded. Right. Like trash. Right. Literally. Uh, he just blows off the fucking ship. <laughs> um, I'm so happy you described that as what you like, because that's a great representation of stuff that we enjoy. So, and in that scene, whenever Sterling K Brown and Olivia Munn are discussing, like he has a theory on what the good predator is doing here. And, and his theory ends up being correct. He says, I think he wants to give us something, you know, how many generations will survive um, due to climate change? And yeah. at first I was like, are they saying the predators want to help fix global warming? That idea was so wacky that I was into it. I was like, that sounds terrific. Well, they're saying that because they won't be able to hunt humans if they're all gone, right? Was that the, Okay, the that point? makes sense. That's what I thought. And that took two viewings and you saying that for me to, to yeah, think that makes what sense. What I got out of it was if, so wait, if the predator wants to help humans just so more predators can hunt humans. So they have a hunting ground. Because if Earth okay. was gone, they wouldn't have any humans to hunt. So they're going to give them a fucking machine slash suit to kill off other predators until other predators come? Uh, okay, I'm not sure about that. But I thought the point of, like, the sympathy there was they wouldn't have a hunting ground. That's what I thought. You, well, you know, there's that point whenever he says, uh, you know, they thrive in in the heat. And, you know, that's something we learned in the original Predator. You yeah. Know, originally, they, the reason they go to South America or Mexico, wherever it is, yeah. is because of how hot it is. And so another thing I was thinking was like, well, wouldn't the Predators want climate, you know, global warming to happen because it would raise uh, the temperature? Well, Eric, I, Eric, as you know. I'm trying to figure the Predator out. As, well, Eric, as you know, global warming doesn't just make the Earth hotter. Uh, it fucks up everything. So yes. there would be places on Earth that were freezing cold. So... I don't think that logic that this doesn't add up because because it wouldn't just be hot on Earth. It'd be also fucked up and the whole Earth would be fucked if if let's say the the polar ice caps are gone. Not to get you know, not to go there, but uh, we're fine. I mean, it's not just heat. That's the issue. Okay, I get I guess what I'm getting at is if the predators were trying to stop global warming. Sure. sure. I would have I been so on board with that yeah. wacky ass idea. So. It's it's fucking rocky. It's choppy. Sure. Yeah. It is unbalanced, but E Dog likes it a lot. I had a blast for I'm sure. Over here clapping. Um, but let's quickly quickly run down the fight at the end, which I just felt like I just felt like Mortal okay. Kombat. Like I was like, okay, what so is I happening? Stop you. That's that's not at the end. Whenever they're at the school and the bad that's not what I'm talking about. The good I'm talking about like up. the end. I think because because doesn't our doesn't our main character get like a thing uh a weapon. And Can we talk about that scene though real sure, quick? Sure. So the, the bad predator fucking body slams. He doesn't body slam. He throws the good predator onto um, a car 
and then punches his face in. Do you remember that? Yeah. He punches a hole through his face. I was in for that because it was violent. And I was super into yeah. that. And it was funny because I heard someone go like, oh, God, or something like, like oh, geez, like tight. Well, the idea like, so that, the, that violence struck somebody. Yeah. And the idea of that scene is to sell how dangerous the new predator is. Right. And right? then he fucking rips his spine out. That was dope. I 100% agree. Yeah. But I got to well, You know what I'm going to complain about? There wasn't more spine ripping. Yeah. That was the only spine. Easy ripping. needs more spine uh, ripping. We didn't even get a spine ripping from a human. They should put that on the poster. Eric, uh, E-Dog, E-Bob says needs more spine you ripping. You know, so you learn that the bad predator does want to hunt them. He does want a trophy. Yeah. And it's kind of confusing because you learn it's the kid that he wants. And it's because Asperger's will apparently make the predators more intelligent. Yeah, and I just I just feel like there's stuff like that that just doesn't connect. Like it's like what? And um I do want to say, you know, I said off color. I said that there was there was offensive things. <laughs> I want to be clear. My my you know, probably my second favorite comedy of all time is actually super bad, which is super offensive and has tons of cuss words and I love that shit. Mm. I just didn't, it didn't work in this movie for me. Like and I don't know if it was the editing or the acting or the reshoots. But something just fell off about all of the like off-color jokes. There were a couple I thought were funny, and the others I was like cringing at, like, oh, okay. Right. Um, so I just want to say, like, I love that shit in other movies. It just didn't work in this one. So, so in the final hunt, he's fucking them all up. Yes. What's real disappointing is how Sterling K. Brown gets taken out. He has a shoulder cannon, and he just shoots himself. I actually thought that was funny. That. Again, he like he's all tough about it, and then he just blows his head. And it off. happens in like an, <laughs> in like yeah, an like instant. I didn't catch it until like the second time. I'm wondering if he wasn't available for reshoots. So they just killed him off, like and that, that, and also like maybe he's not even standing there. I don't know. See, next time you watch it, see if he's CGI. Oh, maybe it's fake, and it's just like okay, we need because we need him here to get rid of him, right? Um, he's fucking him up, but then eventually they're able to like tag him. Yeah. They set him on fire, and I thought that scene was really terrific. I did too, yeah. And Thomas Jane like jumps on him, and I guess he's like trying to stab him. Um, and then eventually, after fucking him up, um, he's standing next to his ship, and McKenna activates the shield, and it, and it cuts off his arm. Yes. And then he's able to like pick up his arm and shoot his um, his wrist blade. Yes. At him. That was dope. Right. And, but like, and doesn't his like legs get cut off somehow too? I think so. Yeah. So I, I was kind of. So so what part didn't you like about that? You said it felt like Mortal Kombat. I I think it was be. I think the main issue is that the big predator is CG. Yeah. So if it, it and I didn't think he looked good because he was it was he a, doesn't. Um, especially during the day, which like I think it's dawn at the end of the film, and I felt like he looked like okay. You you've played Mortal Kombat X. Sure. And you know how those characters look. Uh, good for a video game, mm-hmm. but not photorealistic. Sure. That's what he looked like. He looked like he was in a video game, like polygons. Um, uh, he looked like Steppenwolf in Justice League. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> ouch. Not that I give a shit about Justice League. Uh, so yeah, there's, but, this, there's a scene at the beginning of the, of the hunt, the climax, whenever he's in the tree and he's eating somebody's head. That was dope. And it's like, this is sick, but then you just see how CGI he is. Yeah. And it's almost like, this is tight, but fuck, he looks bad. Yeah, I was um, super pumped for him to be like invisible and shit, and like picking he doesn't him even off. like use his like. No, I feel armor, like really. I feel like it's just like I don't know. I guess this movie's over. You know, like I, I feel, feel like, like it just didn't come together at the end. Um, and that's probably because of reshoots. And one one thing I feel like Predator films need to establish, but they don't, is like where do they get their powers? Sure. Is it the helmets? Like supposedly, I think just, it's the gear, dude. They just work on their own. So that's what they say in Predators, like because remember, um, 
Oh, damn. Lawrence Fishburne. He's yeah. able to turn invisible because he's wearing one of their Doesn't uh, the kid helmets. turn invisible in this film? Because he has the little... Oh, uh, no. What's his name? The main character turns invisible because he has the ball. Oh, right. He swallows it. Yep. Um, oh, what oh, yeah, else? Yeah. It, like, it was stuff like that. Like, he goes and shits out the ball in the, in the RV. And it's like... Right. That you hear, like, the toilet flush. I'm like... Okay. You know what? I didn't realize that was happening until right now. Yeah. I remember that scene and like, they just like make a joke about it. That's something. what I'm trying to get at. Like, I'm just like, okay. Like he shit it out big. Like that's hilarious. I don't, yeah. don't know. I just, it just didn't work. Um, oh, well, oh, the only thing I wanted to bring up is so whenever the hunt starts, it's nighttime. And I thought they did a good job of transitioning to like, now it's dawn. I do too. Okay. Now it's brighter because it's day. I thought they did a good job of showing a time lapse of it getting dark too. I thought that was uh, totally fine morning yes so yeah it's it's wonky but i like it a lot real quick let's just uh so what we heard about three shoots is that apparently the entire end of the film actually took place during the day right in the original cut and um they all watched it and go well this doesn't make sense predator is not scary during the day uh which i kind of beg to differ i mean it's the first film takes place and it's fucking sick so they said okay let's go reshoot it all in the dark and so that's what we're talking about and i i read uh an interview with shane black and they said well how did you do that so quickly and he said oh it's it it was fine he goes we just had to cut some of the stuff that we couldn't do in that amount of time i'm like oh okay so that's why the film kind of doesn't make sense at the end because like i don't know let's just get to this part and now here's the reshot ending because the film was building to something else that they didn't have time for. Correct. So it's like, put them in, which I kind of respect in a way, put them in the forest, have them kill them. But I didn't think it was that cool. Like, I felt like there should have been more invisibility, more cool shit. And it's like, eh, 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 it's over. Right. Uh, so I read this Screen Rant article about like, you know, some of the things they shot, some of the things they changed. And I guess a photo leaked where uh, it was two dudes dressed as predators, but they're wearing army fatigues. And I guess what they had shot or were going to shoot. Um, so there was other predators at Area 52, good predators. Yeah, that's that was early, early, early. I remember reading about that on Blade Disgusting. And I guess the you know the good predator that comes was going to team up with the two good predators that were already here to fight the bad predator. And on his ship, you see other predators um, that have like mutated with other uh, species DNAs. And so I guess there was going to be like a predator with four arms, another predator with like tentacles because they have DNAs from other creatures. Duh. I was getting dizzy from reading how cool that sounded. I would have predator been, with four arms sounds like Goro from Mortal Kombat. They're really on this Mortal Kombat kick. Yeah. So the idea was the humans, the good predators, were going to fight all these like crazy ass like subspecies predators. Okay, that sounds cool. I would have been. That sounds cool. And then I saw where he was saying like. There could be an alternate cut, but because the effects were never finished, it would cost too much money that it wouldn't happen. Yeah, that's always the struggle. Like the like the Snyder cut of of Justice League, that'll never happen because they don't have the fucking effects. Um. So yeah, um, I liked it. I I had a blast. I mean, in my notes, I put a blast, bloody as hell, great old school bombastic monster movie score. You know, I liked stuff about it. It just, I didn't love it. I don't know if I'll ever see it again. It would have been more successful. I mean, I mean, you can't answer this sure. truthfully because we don't know because it'll never happen. But like, if it didn't have a plague of reshoots, if it was more weird editing, if it felt more fluid, hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, I think forget the reshoots, which may play into editing, but I don't think so because there's there's bad editing that 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 disorients the dialogue in the hotel room with uh with Olivia Munn on the bed, uh, where I was just like. 
like it just it just was so disorienting with its editing. I I don't know. Um, if it didn't have that, yes, I feel like I would have liked it a lot more. But uh, I did like it. You know, I would watch this on a Saturday afternoon. This would be a blast, and it was actually. That's how I watched it. Um, did you watch it by yourself? I did. Uh, in a crowd full of old people, and they did not fucking like it. Uh, so the scene where I was fist pumping comes at the very beginning, where the good predator has strung up one of McKenna's, um, yeah, men, and he puts on the wrist gauntlet and he like fires it, and it like cuts that dude in half. Yes, and the predator is currently invisible, and the blood from the torso starts dripping that on was, the predator. That was fucking sick. And then you can see the predator because of the blood that's yes. dripping on him, and then he opens up his eyes, and his eyes are glowing. I was just like. I got to say when that happened, I go, holy shit. Like that, that's next level. I mean, there, I don't know how to say it again. There is shit in this movie that is fucking sick. I just didn't think it came together, but I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I remember I like my mouth, like open. I, I, my mouth was agape. I was like, Oh shit. I was kind of in awe of the blood going over the invisible fucking predator. I was like, Whoa. Um, that's fucking dope. Uh, that sucks that we're probably not going to see another predator film. Yeah. Alien and Predator are literally like dead right now. Yeah, I see. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Pretty sad. Well, first of all, we're never going to see another Predator film because Disney owns it. Oh. Uh, second of all, even if they didn't, yeah. Um, reshoots must have cost a lot, man. $88 million? Yeah. This movie costs fucking $88 million? That's a lot. That is baffling. I mean, that is more than a lot of bigger movies that are bigger than That's this. That's wild. So reshoots must have cost a lot. Uh, $88 million is fucking absurd. This should have been a $40 million movie, and it would have made money and be fine. Um, although, I am very frustrated that, you know, here we are. I tweeted you this. We're asking for hard R films like Logan and Deadpool. We're like, look, see, we're holding them up, saying, make rated R movies, make rated R movies. Um, Sony's putting out Venom at PG-13, and we're, and we're bitching at Sony. You know, you guys are losers. And this is me. I'm talking about me here. Um, how come you didn't learn from these other films that this is what you, they need to be are to actually tell their stories and people will go see them. Predator comes out, it's rated R and no one saw it. Right. So, you know, do you think the Olivia Munn, uh, no, I sex don't. abuse thing had anything to do? With I don't know. No. I don't think general public know about, about that? fucking anything. Mm. So I don't think anybody knows about that because I don't think it was big enough. We know about it cause we're in like, film circles and we read film Twitter, bro. People don't fucking know anything about film Twitter except for us idiots, right? Mm. Us losers. So, so we're lukewarm on the nun. I really like the predator. You're lukewarm on the yeah. predator. So you're just, you're just a lukewarm guy. Lukewarm Kiki. Okay. I hope you uh, change your gamer tag to that. And with that, we're done. Somehow it's been three hours, Eric. Ugh, Jesus. Let's go eat. Let's do a short episode where we review two films and we can get it out fast, we, they said. It'll be fun, they said. It'll be easy, they said. I'm kidding. It was easy. I fucking love doing this podcast. I love all of you listeners. I hope you made it this far. Uh, somebody said, fuck it with the long episodes. Keep going. I believe it was Josh Goes to Hell. He said, don't worry how long your episodes are. Fuck yeah. Who cares? And I love you, Josh Goes to Hell. And with that, Eric. Yes. Where can you find us on the internet? You can find us uh, at Ghoul Squad FM on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Anchor.fm. 
you can find us at T Public at uh, just search Ghoul Squad <laughs> for a T-shirt. Yes, for a T-shirt. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, just so yeah, just find us on social media at Ghoul Squad FM. Yes, and uh, like Eric said, anchor.fm slash ghoulsquadfm is where you can find all our links. So if you want to subscribe to us on iTunes or if you actually listen to your podcast on Spotify or Overcast or any of those places, Android, uh, Google Play, Music, uh, Google Podcast, Stitcher, exactly. All of those links are available at anchor.fm slash ghoulsquadfm. They are all listed there. So any podcast app that you want to listen to on there, um, and eventually on our Facebook. Yes. But those, don't, don't go there first. Yeah. Those links are on there. And uh, shout out to anchor.fm because they're the shit. Um, and with that, I think that's it. Our next episode is going to be uh, ranking the entire Scream franchise. Now, why would we do that? You say there's only four films and they're pretty easy to rank to celebrate the franchise. Sure. That's why. Uh, we just want to celebrate Scream. We love Scream. So we're going to rank them and talk them because it's, it's a perfect way to fuck around and talk Scream. Uh, and I think with that, that's about it. If you could, if you made it this far and you haven't left us a review on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. Review us on iTunes. And with that, we'll see you on the next episode of the Ghoul Squad podcast uh, where we'll talk Scream. Oh my gosh. And we'll have seen Halloween 2018. What a mind-blowing idea. And with that, we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.